This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. It's Friday. Friday. Hey, I walked into the studio today. Uh, I saw Caitlin Thomas, who is our uh, Miss Lehigh running for uh, Miss Utah. Hello. Hello. And I walk in and I say, hello, princess. And Ben Wasden says, hello. <laughs> no, I said, hey, co-talent. Yeah, co-talent. So what we're saying is Ben responded to princess. Let's just say the truth. Um, let me let me just get this out on the air. I wasn't going to do this this early. We got a great show. But I got a. I had a meeting with Don yesterday, and uh, Wasden was in the room, and we we tried to sort out this this co-talent idea, because for some reason Ben thinks he is co-talent. Don affirmed uh, he did not say co-talent. He did not say Ben, you are uh, you are co-talent with Matt. He he said, and he didn't want to be rude, but he said it it was another word that rhymes with co. No, see, I was in the room as well, and he said there are a lot of things that rhyme with co. Yeah. So he didn't deny the fact that we were that I was no, co talent. He did. He did deny, it. and then he also said it's either faux or no. no and I he, thought faux was put, nicer because as a kind of a French twist. He put pro in there faux. as well. Pro talent. Isn't faux some sort of Chinese food? Uh, faux is fake. Fake talent. Oh, okay. Oh. But that's totally fitting. So. Um, we got a great show. Holy cow. We're going to be talking about Netflix, which is honestly my best friend next to my wife. Uh, oh, and my kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, and then my team here. <laughs> then Netflix. Oh, yeah. We're going to be talking about Netflix. I don't know if you guys are noticing. It's changing the world. It is, it's changing how we watch TV. We don't even need networks anymore. We just go to Netflix. And then when we get there, we just veg and binge for hours on end. And today we're going to be talking with a researcher, a professor of communications who studies the industry, and she's going to tell us what the future might look like and really what Netflix is trying to do. They have an interesting model. They're not the most profitable, but they are profitable, but they are um, taking the world by storm. So, and, and their goal isn't just you know the U.S. markets. Their goal is to take the world over when it comes to uh, streaming of uh, – Shows and stuff. So we'll get to that. Also today, we man, we got so much to talk about. Um, we're also going to get into how to connect consciously. You got to learn how to stay connected in the world, which is hard. Uh, by the way, it seems like the opposite of Netflix. Um, interestingly, we're, we will also be doing a ton of headlines. And as, as you know, one of the new things we're doing on the show is video. Um, we are the most visual <laughs> – we are the most visually based and packed radio show you will ever hear. Probably in the nation, at least. Oh, I would even say in the greater uh, North American continent. Yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah, even into Canada. Yeah, especially into Canada, uh-huh. Mexico. Even we have more video on our radio show per pound than any other station. And a lot of people are like, "Hey, you, this isn't a visual medium," and we're like, "Shut it! Of course it is. You just haven't listened to the show." So we will get to that. Plus, so much more, if you'll just stick with us. But first, let's get to Caitlin, Her Royal Highness, Miss Lehigh, 
Thomas with the headlines. What's up, Caitlin? <laughs> Good morning, Matt. President Obama formally endorsed Hillary Clinton on Thursday after meeting with Bernie Sanders at the White House. He says, I don't think there's ever been someone so qualified to hold this office. Obama said in a video, I'm with her. He also congratulated Sanders on running an incredible campaign and said, quote, embracing his message will help the party win. The endorsement came in a video from the Clinton campaign. Obama also plans to campaign with Clinton next week in Washington. The other endorsements are rolling in quickly for Hillary Clinton as well, from the likes of President Obama, Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, etc. And now comes word of possible support from a highly unusual source, a sitting Republican senator. (gasps) Maine's Susan Collins tells The New Yorker that she's not ruling out voting for Clinton, and she cites Donald Trump's remarks concerning Judge Gonzalo Curiel's Mexican heritage. She says they are a, quote, an order of magnitude more serious than any of Trump's previous controversies. The The senator makes clear that her voting for Clinton is still a long shot. She says, I do not anticipate voting for her this fall, but she adds, I'm not going to say never. Mm. Tens of thousands of people are gathering in Louisville, Kentucky from around the world on Friday to pay their final respects to boxing legend and cultural icon Muhammad Ali. The full day commemoration begins at 9 a.m. with a motorcade carrying Ali's body past his childhood home, then other landmarks associated with Ali ending at Cave Hill Cemetery, where Ali will be interred in a private ceremony. Hmm. The public interfaith memorial service will begin at 2 p.m. at KFC Yum Center with eulogies from former President Bill Clinton and Billy Crystal. At least 10 prospective jurors have refused to serve under Judge Aaron Persky in response to his decision to sentence Stanford rapist Brock Turner to only six months in jail, according to Mercury News. I can't be here. I'm so upset, one juror reportedly told Persky while lawyers selected a jury for a case wholly unrelated to Turner's. Another reportedly stood up and said, I can't believe what you did. The judge reportedly told each of the jurors, I understand, upon their protests and thanked them for their service. And lastly, Matt. Yes. Here's a, this is a, interesting, but it's really sad. A celebratory day at the beach turned to tragedy after a woman was killed Wednesday when a beach umbrella blew out of the sand and stabbed her in the chest. The Ah. woman, Lottie Michelle Belk, um, was taken to the local hospital where she died, the station says. So she was lounging around the shore off of 33rd Street in Virginia Beach when an anchored umbrella was swept up by a gust of wind and blown in her direction, impaling her. Virginia Beach police say they received a call just after 5 p.m. of a woman in cardiac arrest, and when rescuers arrived on the scene, they found Belk suffering from the umbrella injury. She was taken to the hospital where she died. But that is so strange, just out of the blue. That's not something you hear happening every day. Can you just imagine just a giant umbrella just flying right at you? Mm -mm. That's why I always walk with Ben in front of me, because you never know. It's not a good way to start the day, is it? Poor Ben. Well, I thought I was just like part of your family. You thought you were part of my entourage. Yeah. No. Nice job. Oh, that's just so sad. I feel bad for her family. Well, and Muhammad Ali is having his funeral. Did I get that straight? At the Kentucky Fried Chicken Chicken Yum! Yum Exclamation point center. Yeah. Have you ever been there? No, but I, I love KFC. Are there like Google pictures of it? Is this like a? It's just a big stadium. A big stadium that they but sponsored. But it's sponsored by Yum, Yum. The stadium's actually shaped like a, a chicken wing. A chicken. Yeah. I thought it was a leg. Is it a wing or a leg? I thought it was. A, I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks, Caitlin. You know, appreciate problem. it. Good stuff. Keep up the good work. And man, have we got a, a lot to talk about? Okay. Netflix is going to be coming up. We're going to be talking with Dr. Amanda Lotz about how Netflix is changing TV. One of the things I wanted to uh, just make sure we bring up before we we get into the Netflix discussion, binge watching. Now, an article came out on CNN Monday uh, um, on their money section that basically talks about binge watching on Netflix 
And the top shows that are binge watched, are you ready for this? They found that on average, according to Netflix, viewers watch two hours and 10 minutes a day of a series in order to complete a season. That is a lot of that's two hours and 10 minutes, by the way, where you're not watching, you know, your local affiliates. You are on Netflix. So imagine the ad revenue lost by you spending that much time binge watching. Here are um, some of the uh, shows that you're most likely to binge watch. The company found that science fiction, horror, thriller series like Sense8. Have you seen that? I haven't seen that. I saw one. Didn't like it. I don't like these horror ones. Um, The Walking Dead, Breaking Bad. I guess that's considered a horror or thriller probably. thriller. Were devoured on its binge scale. This means that viewers watched more than two hours a day to finish those series. On the other hand, comedies, political dramas, historical dramas are shows that viewers tend to savor watching less than two hours at a time. Uh, Arrested Development, House of Cards, Mad Men. I love Arrested Development. Shows you my level. Um, In the middle uh, were series like Daredevil, Better Uh Call Saul from – what was that from? That's the Better Call Saul spinoff from Breaking Bad. And Orange is the New Black. I'm not into prison movies. I was into uh, Breaking – what's it called? Breaking – Breakout? Oh, Prison Prison Break. Break. They're actually bringing that back this fall. That was because good. apparently there's another prison to break out of. Are they? I, oh, I thought they were going to be breaking into a prison and then breaking someone out, maybe. Well, that's kind of the premise, okay, yeah, yeah. but yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Because uh, once you get out, the next thing you definitely want to do is get back to get break right in. Right back in. That's nuts. Um, interesting, though. The, Netflix doesn't release their numbers. No. But they're, they, they do know they have a lot of addicted people. Yes, they do. Which is, I think, devilish. And they account for massive amounts of bandwidth from the internet yeah which is chewed up because people are watching we got to ask our guests that because that that becomes a problem right because that's their achilles heel because they don't they don't deliver bandwidth no they don't own your they don't provide an internet connection so their service is dependent on these other services making their internet connections uh, robust enough yes. to, to be able to carry the video feeds, which are hugely taxing on their systems. Well, and it seems like that's probably their eventual exit strategy is to be purchased or to buy one of these places. In some cases, they've paid what people call a ransom. Yes. Like Comcast, I believe. You want to use our Wi-Fi, our broadband? So that their service will run correctly instead mm. of Comcast slowing the feed down. That's right. And Com- yeah, because Comcast was throttling Netflix. Ooh, technical terms. Well, they didn't admit to it, no. but yeah, Hypothetic. they were. Allegedly. Yeah. They were allegedly. And a lot of internet providers are like, well, Netflix needs to pay us because they're making us update our service to accommodate them. Right. Whereas if you just use the internet and look at you know web pages, email, that kind of thing, you're, you're, you're not using that much of right. the internet. But once you start you know, rolling video, it turns into a massive problem. It's just horrible. Um, it's also, I, for, I failed to mention, it's... Ballpoint Pen Day. Yes. Which is, I think, a great invention. But a little annoying. Yeah. Like, have you ever have you ever just sat next to somebody that just keeps clicking their ballpoint pen? Yes. And you just you just don't know what to do, so you grab your mouse mm-hmm. and you just throw it right at their face. It was better when the mouse was on a cord. Yeah. Because you could really get yeah, it moving and whip it, it around. That's what it used to be for. They yeah. used to have it so that the mouse didn't. 
Now that they're wireless, it's just sort of like a if you miss, it's kind of. And embarrassing. you know what? It's too bad that you don't. I was going to just bring a sock with batteries in it. Oh, nice. But Don said I can't use that. Yeah, I could see the uh, HR not approving of that. Are you just, done? Just keeps clicking. Are you done? Oh, sorry, I'm nervous. Yeah, you're making us all a little nervous. <sighs> Remind me, Terry, not to mention the day today ever okay. again. You give him an idea. You just give him one little idea. Yep. Just I'm celebrating. It's just not fair. Hey, um, Donald Trump, he's getting he's getting beat he was, up. He was coordinatedly attacked yesterday. Yeah. It coordinated is the word, huh? You had the president, yeah. the vice president, Senator Warren. Who else came out against him? Uh, Ivanka, his ex. No. Right. Bernie Sanders, because he had the <laughs> meeting with President Obama. Yeah. They came out and talked afterwards. And uh, Harry Reid, he spoke about it. I mean, just, just right down the line, all these people. And uh, Hillary didn't say a word. So, so here's the question. Um, did you hear the David Letterman you know, preview of his interview? Yeah, I heard some clips, yeah. It's, it's actually, he made a really interesting point. He said, if you went back to the founding fathers, and they would, they, they're okay with everything Donald's saying. You know what I mean? Because they were all probably a little racist. They were all successful, some of them egomaniacal. But in the end, um, when, when uh, this was the joke Letterman said, he said, when we sit there and say anyone can be president, he said, well, yeah, there it is. There's the example. We've always said anyone can be president, and now it's happening. It's ha- you have a person that you would never think could be president, but he could be president. Okay, yeah, it's I get that. Happening. Yeah, yeah it's that happening. makes sense. I was thinking, what do you, I mean, it's yeah. been just a string of white guys until yeah. recently, and right. then, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess Donald Trump is but anyone. Anybody, but he's the guy that you never he's really not your, thought could be president. He's not your politician. Yeah, you just thought that, that would just eliminate money. him. Yeah. But no. And you know who else is in the news a lot? And I, Mark Cuban. Yeah, I, Why? Saw, I saw him on CNN because he's a billionaire. He wants to be vice president. He's outspoken. He has yeah. political ambitions. And he's on Shark Tank. And he's on Shark Tank. So you have a billionaire who's outspoken on TV. It sounds like somebody we know. <laughs> it used to be you had to come from the political class to be president. Yeah. Not anymore. So it will be who's the... Uh, well, the, unless the political class pushes back. Oh, they, I think they're going to try, but Shuts them down. 16 of them tried to push back on Trump. That's what I'm wondering. Is anybody going to be able – is Trump just going to like wilt like a flower or is Trump going to do what he did to a bunch of other – 16 other people? Is he going to step up and the, the, start pounding on people? Again, the primary is being different because you have, you're all fighting for the same voters. Yeah. Whereas when you get to the general election, it's more – my yeah. side versus your side. And well, and the, I, here, let me just tell you, we've all, I believe, been had a little bait and switch played. Because for eight months... Why? Because two liberal New York yeah, rich that's, people yeah, are running? Yeah, that too. Okay. Uh, and, but because the media... Just questioning. Yeah. The media, in many, many, many ways, propped up Donald Trump for eight months. And now that he is the candidate, yeah. they're now pulling the chairs out and they're and they're joking about how the GOP is in disarray. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? Forever they propped it up while well, he took each one of them out one by one and they he, they gave him 10, 15 times more media exposure and now they're pulling the chair out. 
Like, by the way, definitely deserves it. He definitely deserves chairs right. being pulled well, out right they're, now. They're trying to re- but, reclaim any level of journalism yeah. because before they were just being fans and look what we can put on TV. And now they're actually trying to do their job. Weird. Yeah. Right in the general. Mainly because they were called out for not doing their job and it looks embarrassing. Well, yeah. So. And they made a ton of moolah well, that too. for the first eight months. So anyway, just as, I just find that ironic. Hmm. We are going to take a break. When we come back, Netflix is up next. We're going to figure out what is going on with Netflix and these streaming companies. What is Netflix's plan? They've got, you know, they got people on the hook. They people like paying their uh, seven, eight, nine, ten dollars a month now. But uh, what's the future? And what are they really after? Mind control? Stick with us. We'll find out. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We've all uh, sat down on the couch, you know, over a long weekend, turned on Netflix, and binged. Before you even realize it, you've watched a whole series in just two days. You know, the addictive nature of Netflix, its availability to you, it's kind of on demand whenever you want it. It has launched uh, them as a competitive force against uh, many of the major TV networks, and their unorthodox business model is often viewed skeptically, with a few predicting uh, that it's just not going to succeed. And yet, you know what? They keep uh, showing some profit. But now the company has set its sights on becoming more um, like a global, more than a global and television and film network. They've got another plan. So we want to find out uh, from the pros what's going on with Netflix and what the future of TV may hold. Uh, Dr. Amanda Lotz joins us. And she is a professor of communication studies and screen arts and cultures at the University of Michigan. Her research examines the operations of U.S. television and the representation of gender on television. Dr. Amanda Lotz, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. Good morning. Great to have you here. Uh, Netflix, truly, uh, Dr. Lotz, my best friend now. Um, <laughs> do you love it or what? Yeah, I mean, you're a professor. You've you've studied broadcasting. You this is this thing is. It's created a pretty incredible movement. It has. It, it has offered viewers the opportunity to really experiment with a very different way of viewing than we were accustomed to um, based on the decades of, of television that preceded it. Do what's, Talk about what, what your interests are in Netflix. Because um, you, here you sit in, at, uh, at the University of Michigan studying it. What is your... What's the future going to hold for these type of companies and for Netflix in particular? I think the main thing I've been looking at is is really just trying to understand the wide range of changes that are occurring and trying to understand then what goes along with those changes. And so for a while, I think we thought that because services such as Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon, since they were delivered over Internet Wire, that they were fundamentally different somehow. And actually, I I think they're just a new way of distributing television, just like cable came along and was a different way of distributing television um, from broadcast, which had been its predecessor. But what's really different about the Internet is that it has different affordances. It can do different things, Hmm. like person cast so that you can do that very specific on-demand request. 
instead of being tied to a schedule. Yeah, which, I mean, in our world and with the mobility of uh, all of our phones and and all of that, it seems like it's it's ideally situated. Um, is where does Netflix fit in the in the spectrum with the rest of its competitors? I'd say it's it's dominating its space right now. I think it 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 really is an incredible story. If you, I think it's quick. It's easy to quickly forget that this was a, a company that emerged that you know sent videos in red envelopes <laughs> right. mail. Right, right, and that that whole which was that, so that absurd. Long ago. Right, exactly. Uh, but I think the big advantage that Netflix has had is has been in its international expansion, and, and some of the others are trying to catch up, and, and certainly different regions of the globe and different countries have their own domestic services. Um, but I think the, the real question is, is what kind of dominance Netflix might be able to have because of this head start and because that it has uh, really established a foothold in the business early on. And it's pricing – Seems to be um, more aligned to to gathering and aggregating a following, right? It's 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 seven to ten dollars, or it's moving to ten dollars. Right. Um, it, a lot. It's so affordable. Is is that what's helping it grow and expand? I mean, it's not like the numbers you showed in your article don't. It doesn't show it's very profitable, but it is profitable and expanding. Right. It is profitable, when, especially when you compare it to a lot of other Internet-based companies that aren't profitable yet. Uh, and I think the other thing to keep in mind is that Netflix has banked on this subscriber-funded model. And, and we've seen some real uh, questions and weakness in the notion of ad-supported digital media in this year. And so the idea that it recognizes that it has to provide a service that people want to pay for, and then it also consequently isn't uh, encumbered by advertisers and, and those demands, uh, positions it a little bit differently than a lot of other companies, especially the historic television industry. Yeah, what, what is the television industry doing with a Netflix? Because I mean, in the end, a lot of their shows end up on being on Netflix, don't they? Right. So first on, Netflix was sort of uh, the existing studio's best friend. They they came to the market and they were willing to license programming that was really just, in many cases, sitting in vaults. And so at first, that was this great new revenue stream. And, and that was the programming that Netflix used to really reacculturate our experience of television. And in recent years, the studios have been a little more hesitant about their licenses. Uh, Netflix also hasn't been quite as generous in what it's been willing to pay. And so I think we're starting to see the, the next stage of this. And I think that's why Netflix has moved so aggressively into original series, mm. series that it controls. And at the same time, we started to see some of the studios create their own portals like right. Netflix. Is I mean, I guess that's what's going to happen. Uh, the studios pull back their content. Is that why Amazon's content offerings are shrinking? What is, what's going on with Amazon? That, that, why are they losing content? It's all in what they're willing to pay for. And so if you think about these businesses, both Netflix and Amazon, I think, have, have followed pretty similar strategies, right? They really had to change our way of thinking about how we access content or, you know, even how we buy things. And so early on, they offered deals that were really almost too good to be true. And so they were willing to pay quite a bit for that content to, that would attract people to at least try the service. Right. And now that they've got a core base, they're starting to, you know, wean us off of that content and, and hope that the audience still stays. And it seems in like a weird 
move because um, they have to start designing, creating, developing their own content, but they're not necessarily a content creation company. So I guess they're they're just hiring studio other other enterprises to do that, and then they buy it from them. How does that work? Right. So it's different between the two. Amazon has actually created a thing called Amazon Studios, and so a lot of its original production is going through that entity. Netflix is licensing content from other studios. I suspect it is it's a matter of a mere year, a few years before Netflix does have its own studio. But at the end of the day, I mean, yes. If, if the writers that they're bringing to the service are are smart and creative, then then that's really what's important. In many ways, what Netflix is doing is is different from what broadcast networks and cable channels have done in building a schedule. Netflix is building a library. So in some ways, I, I wonder whether the the skill set and the knowledge base of those who have come up in the conventional television industry. would be all that helpful for Netflix or whether those services that are creating libraries really need people who are are thinking in in new and different ways. Yeah, right. It's – it seems like another Achilles heel for Netflix is they don't don't deliver bandwidth. They're not a provider of of – Wi-Fi or of um, online access, they just they just consume it. So doesn't that put them, you know, kind of behind the gun on from other companies, maybe a Comcast or organizations like that? Most definitely. That's why the whole discussion about Netflix that was taking or about net neutrality that was taking place uh, in the last twelve to eighteen months that really had the potential to to do damage to Netflix model. And even still, it's the case a lot of the Internet service providers have been talking about changing the way that they price their service and changing to a usage-based system. And so given that a lot of home Internet data use is consumed when one streams television shows, that also could have some big implications. So they don't control that wire to the home. In that sense, it really is those providers that that have, um, in often case, a monopoly hold on an important market. Oh wow! So is that is that I guess the the end all uh, is eventual buyout from some of those companies that have the that have the band or the yeah that own the bandwidth. I think that's a it's a coming decision at a regulatory level. I mean, historically, the the FTC has tried to keep distribution and content separate, um, and has forced companies to either be in one business or the other. Uh, and I think the, that question hasn't thoroughly been resolved for the internet era yet. Um, and, but I think that's something that will come. Mm. Uh, we're speaking with Dr. Amanda Lotz. And uh, Amanda, let's take a break, come back. I'd love to find out what the future holds. So if you can get your crystal ball out, that would be fantastic. I want to know what's what's it going to look like in five years, in 10 years? How will we be accessing? Will anything be different? Uh, will all of the networks end up having their own portals? Is that how this is going to work? And then you're going to pay every portal $7 a month to access their stuff. Stick with us. We're talking with Dr. Amanda Lotz from the University of Michigan, and she's walking us through the future of television and uh, live uh, downloads and streaming of Netflix. Stick with us, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. From Little Red Envelopes with a, C- with a DVD in it, right? Sent to your house so you can watch a show. And then you, once you've watched it, you put it back in the mail. They'll send you another one. Remember? A little subscription program. That way you didn't have to go to Blockbuster. You, you, didn't have to, you didn't have to go, you know, you didn't have to move. They still are doing that, folks. But from there to just streaming, anytime you want... One of their shows, or one of their many, many, many li- uh, libraries of shows that they've got, um, things have changed at Netflix, and they're, they really are going global. We just found out that 190 countries, they are in 190 countries, and, and um, a, a ton of languages, 17 different languages. Also, what's really interesting, um, they are just now doing pro- programming, local type of programming in India and France. So now there will be original content created uh, from France and from India, and something's going on. And it, I think it's changing the entire uh, industry, but it's, it's, it seems like Netflix is leading us in that. Dr. Amanda Lotz is on the phone with us. She's a professor of communication studies and screen arts and cultures at the University of Michigan and has been researching U.S. television um, and uh, what's going on in this uh, – in this crazy world we live in. Dr. Amanda Lotz, welcome back to the show. Thank you. 190 countries. So is this what you mean by they're, they're, they're creating libraries, and now there will be, I guess, an, a, a library in India to download even local type of content as well? Right. So the service available in each country is different, depending on what different regions, what different countries Netflix has licensed content for. But as it does move into original content, the presumption is that it will hold on to those licenses and and make them available throughout its multinational network there. Mm. This is what is this what does this look like for you? Professor Lotz, because here you studied past and now you have to look into the future. What does television look like 10 years from now? Well, I, I think we have at this point seen the, the rough structure. I think it's just really a question of how quickly things begin to change from here. Uh, a lot is held together still by that the value of the cable bundle. A lot of people don't feel like the cable bundle is very valuable. I'm one of them. Right. Uh, But I have multiple people in my house that have a lot of different tastes. And it's still the case that it makes more sense to continue to go that route. But what we're starting to see is that there are other options available for households with different needs, especially the ones that might be more narrow. So if you're a young single person and you don't need all those channels, you don't need to subscribe to cable, but you could probably find the content that you're looking for through different uh, internet delivered services. And the same thing for retired folks um, who might not have as many different interests in a, in a single house. Mm. So what's different is that there, I think we're at the start of television distribution being much more varied than it was in the past. And, and recently, you know, sort of 80 to 90% of households subscribe to either cable, satellite, or receive service from a company like AT&T or Verizon. Hmm. Uh, And so I think we'll expect those numbers to to probably go down, and some people will have just cable, some people uh, might just have internet. Yeah, I mean, we have people we know that they, um, they just have Apple TV. And right. but I assume, and then by doing that, then they go pay subscriptions to 
whatever you know companies they want and load them on their Apple TV is I mean the the sports world seems to be really kind of vying for these positions too right NFL has sports and and their own and and the NBA um, it almost seems like they're kind of leading it in a way with the cable subscriber or the cable companies. Well, the fact that a lot of content, or sports content specifically, is still only available via cable, right. I think has been a key thing in, in holding that old model together. I think that in trying to predict how quick change will come, I think the tricky thing here is to understand that these companies are still making a lot of money the old way. And yeah. so it's in their interest to kind of hold on as long as they can, but at the same time, really be ready to pivot quite quickly. And I think that's what we will see, is that at some point there will be an inflection point and it will just boom. Um, it won't be a very gradual change at all. And I think for the sports leagues, you know, right now, channels like ESPN uh, you know, and Fox Sports, you know, they're fighting over licensing rights and paying quite a bit of money for them. And that takes the risk away from the leagues. It guarantees multi-year revenue right. coming in. But at some point, and we may start, we may be at the beginning of it, those channels just can't pay that money anymore because there aren't as many people viewing uh, and the advertising rates are dropping. And so... The consequence, I think, is that the sports leagues, too, like the studios, will be looking at going straight to consumer. And so maybe in the future, you, in addition to your Netflix subscription, you have an NFL subscription, and that's how you access the the, the NFL game. Right. What if you just had to pay Wi-Fi, you know, or pay for your, your, your um, Internet, and then all of a sudden you're just buying $7 packages or $10 packages or $15 packages yeah, I guess you would just eventually make your own little, you know, your own little menu. Right. A lot of customers have started doing that. I think the, the real question is looking at your use and figuring out what you need and what you don't need, and then looking at the numbers and seeing if it makes more sense to to drop that big bundle uh, and and just do that sort of a la carte service approach. In the uh, in the end, um, when you look at this, I, I guess does this does this serve the people? Is it? Is it? Do we have more power in this type of new system, or do you? Is it less power, or is it? There's no power anyway. <laughs> That's a good point. I think there's more choice, uh, and so I think in that sense, I, I don't think I'd call it power necessarily. Yeah. And I think what it it really is pointing out is uh, some of the limits of our policy toward internet uh, in recent years or really a lack of policy. And so, you know, we've been having this conversation probably both, both based out of fairly metropolitan areas. Um, and the reality is that broadband service isn't available still in much of the country. Right. So these, the opportunity isn't available yet. And so the need to figure out how to bring broadband to rural environments and, and also the question of competition uh, when it comes to broadband, because even though service is available in a lot of areas, in many cases, it it does remain uh, a monopoly service. And so the lack of competition doesn't allow markets to work. And so I think one thing I'm watching is there's certain parallels between the rise of the internet and the rise of cable 20, 30 years ago. 
um, in that early cable period, uh, cable rates were rising many times the rate of inflation, um, and, and people were very upset, and, and Congress had to legislate as a result, and sort of watching to see whether similar things happen or not. And what about, I mean, I'm not one that likes regulation, unless, of course, it's with my children. Um, <laughs> but what about the government stepping in, providing the broadband and providing it as a, you know, all of a sudden it's it's now a necessity. But and in these areas where there's not enough competition, it, it does seem like you could be bullied around unless there was more opportunity. Yes. And, and I think what we've seen even in other countries are, are different approaches as well. And so opportunities that encourage competition, but it, it is the case that uh, there's a lot of cost to laying the wire right. uh, that provides this access. And certainly, though, there's also constant technological innovation. So keeping an eye on things like satellite delivery, uh, we're not there yet in terms of a good Internet service. And I think the other big potential competitor may be you know, that computer you carry in your, fo- your pocket that you call a phone. Um, and increasingly, um, some of the numbers in the last year have suggested that homes are cutting their home internet service, but keeping their, their phone data. Right. And so um, recognizing that there may be competition coming from that device, um, but uh, there's, it isn't, the phone still isn't a great option for this kind of heavy data consumption that yeah. something like viewing Netflix requires. It's so interesting because, you know, there used to be a day where we'd all sit around a fire and just <laughs> talk. And then it used to be we'd all sit around the radio, right? And then eventually the TV. And now you can actually have your TV on. No one's watching it, but everyone's on their device. Right, and right. it's And so it's interesting. You may We may be somewhere where wireless companies may be able to deliver more even than, um, than the traditional kind of cable. Is there a day, do you sense that and, – and who regulates that? Does the FCC regulate – uh, cable? Who regulates cable and the content of cable? Anybody? Well, the content of cable isn't regulated in the same way. The reason broadcast content is regulated is because broadcasters technically use something that belongs to the public, the right. electromagnetic spectrum. Right? Yep. Um, so the FCC has moved into a fair bit of cable regulation over the years, but uh, the content rules are still distinct because cable isn't required to operate in the public interest, convenience, and necessity right. in the same way broadcasters are. Mm, that's how. That's why Howard Stern exists. Well, different different right? technologies, different economic models. Exactly. But I think what's what's interesting about it is going forward, a lot of this will be even. It seems like less regulated. I mean, I guess it'll be regulated. As you know, antitrust and non and creating competitive marketplaces, but not necessarily the content. Probably, I think that for a long time, actually, the strongest form of content regulation simply is the market and mm-hmm. of, of viewers. And um, in an ad-supported market, uh, the desire of, of studios to not want to uh, create content that advertisers get upset about because viewers get upset right. about. And so uh, I think those those public norms and that, those audience norms um, have, have always been much stronger than the FCC regulation when it comes to deciding the nature of content. Well, I think it's an interesting discussion and, uh, man, a, a crazy future. And luckily, you're right there. You're on the, you're on the cusp of it all, Dr. Amanda Lotz. Thanks for being with us. 
It was my pleasure. Thank Keep you. Keep studying. Keep teaching us. Uh, we'll come back, take a break, and uh, continue the discussion on the other side of the break. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you uh, see the future, hopefully. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here. You know, um, when it comes to uh, life, sometimes the hardest part of life would be the mornings for some of us. If we could just start life by (laughs) mid-afternoon. What did you do wrong to get a morning show? I have no idea because I am not a morning person. I need a night show. Then I can talk about love. Call in and dedicate a song to your love interest. But um, we've we've sent out one of our uh, producers, Leanna Tan, has put together a piece on the five things you shouldn't do when you wake up in the morning. Good morning, everyone. I hope you all are having a splendid morning. And if not... I know why. While you were all busy reading the morning paper, you might have missed this seemingly trivial but actually very vital article from businessinsider.com, what not to do when you wake up. So don't worry, I got all of the important details for you, and here are five things that you should not be doing when that alarm goes off. <clears throat> Number one, hit the snooze button. Oh, the eighth deadly sin. This says that when you hit the snooze button, you're going to enter a deep sleep cycle and then you won't be able to finish it. So you'll likely wake up groggy instead of refreshed. Mm-mm. You know, it's one of those things that your mom warned you about when you were little. Going into high school, she told you to stay away from it. But you said all the other kids are doing it. Goo. And you tried it just once. Now is it. Now you're hooked. Number two. Don't stay curled up. Uh, According to a Harvard psychologist, Amy Cuddy, stretching out wide is a way to build confidence as you launch into your day. Uh, Apparently, people who wake up in the fetal ball wake up much more stressed out, but the people that wake up with their arms in a V are super happy. I'm wondering, how can you control what position you wake up in? I guess I'll start having to have more dreams about cheerleading or something. Number three, don't leave your bed unmade. Charles Duhigg says that making your bed is associated with increased productivity throughout the rest of your day. And I am definitely an advocate of this because I recently discovered throw pillows. And I never really understood why they were called throw pillows, but after I got them, it was very clear why. First of all, people throw them away, aka I got mine at a yard sale. Don't judge me, I'm a college student. Also, when you go to sleep, you have to throw them off or... You'll wake up with extremely bad neck pain. And then when you wake up, instead of worrying about all that tucking and pulling, you just throw your bed together. But it doesn't look thrown together because nobody can tell under those pillows that my bed sheet has been half off for a week. Number four, don't drink coffee. Have you ever heard of this stress hormone called cortisol? Well, your body produces more of it between 8 and 9 a.m. So for most people... It's best to drink coffee after 9.30 a.m. Because if you drink it before then, then your body will just adjust and then it'll produce less cortisol and you'll just be more tired. Mm -mm. 
But I'm just thinking, how does your body know between 9.30 and 9.31? I just think maybe it's best to get rid of it altogether, but that's just me. I have to say, I have never brought a cup of coffee to my lips. However, this says nothing about eating three donuts for breakfast. Yummy! So I think I'm still good. Number five, don't get ready in the dark. Okay, why does this even have to be on here? This says that your body clock is designed to be sensitive to light and darkness. So if the light's off, then your body's going to still think it's nighttime. But do I really have to tell you why this is a bad idea? Okay, A, this is how you wind up wearing your little sister's shirt. Hey. (laughs) Who you thought was relatively your size, but then you realize your torso was a lot longer than you remember when you go out in the sunlight and it reveals a belly shirt. Or how you wind up in the emergency room with a broken foot. And B, if you drop an earring, good luck. You'd better be ready to start a one-piercing trend or call in late to work. Not to mention, as a roommate... It's pretty traumatizing experience to wake up to somebody lurking in the shadows over your bed. So please, for the sake of everyone, you, your roommate, and your poor worried mother, fight the addiction to the snooze button, to the fetal position, to that messy bed, to coffee, and to the darkness. Find the light and follow these five simple steps to wake up on the right side of the bed. Well... I'm Leanna Tan, and that's my little tangent. Oh, excuse me while I sugar crash. I think those three donuts are catching up to me. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to hour number two of, uh, we call it Utopia. Some just call it radio. It's also uh, Ballpoint Pen Day. Ballpoint Pen Day. And uh, some people just keep clicking it, you know. That's kind of obnoxious. It's very obnoxious. And we figured out that uh, it's illegal to bring a sock full of batteries or lawn darts, which we were going to bring in. But I think Don called you specifically to tell you that. Yeah, you can't bring in the lawn darts. But he did say that I can use my mouse, my wireless mouse, anytime I want. To get Ben to stop clicking his mouse. Mm-hmm. It's like hurting my ears. Anyway, somebody <laughs> needs to call security. We got a great show for you. Did you hear that? It's quiet. Anyway, we got a great show for you. Uh, moving right along, um, we will be talking about technology. It has a tendency to maybe make you um, disconnect from the world. And maybe it's possible that some people, even younger generations, may not know how to even connect back in. Probably any generation that's ever been disconnected from the world, you may not know how to connect back into people. Do you know how to be present and actually connect in? There are stories all over the place about um, you know, even boot camps for those people that are internet addicted because they don't know how to be present. We just talked about Netflix. And sometimes are binging and we just disconnect from the world. 
So we'll be speaking uh, with um, Holland Haas about her book and learning how to balance virtual and the real world. Interesting discussion coming up. So stick with us. We'll get to that. But first, let's get to a Caitlin Thomas. Find out the headlines, what's going on around the rest of the country. Caitlin, what's up? Hey, Matt. Well, we talked about Elizabeth Warren um, last hour, and ahead of her planned endorsement of presumptive Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton, Senator Elizabeth Warren took to condemning Donald Trump in a speech in Washington, D.C. In what was perhaps her harshest condemnation yet, Warren assailed the Republican candidate for his recent attacks on a judge presiding over litigation pertaining to Trump University. She said, what would you expect from a thin-skinned racist bully? After meeting with President Obama at the White House on Thursday, Senator Bernie Sanders told reporters that he looks, quote, forward to meeting with Hillary Clinton in the near future to see how we can work together to defeat Donald Trump. The sit-down with Obama happened at Sanders' request, and the president was reportedly hoping to convince Sanders to wind down his campaign in a way that could help the Democratic Party unify around Clinton. Sanders said he would stay in the race until Washington Party, until D.C.'s primary next week, and that he would do everything in his power to make sure that Donald Trump does not become president of the United States. Fire officials say three people were killed after a small plane crashed into a car in a parking lot near a Houston airport. Houston Fire Department spokesman says the plane crashed shortly after 1 p.m. Thursday into a car that was parked at a hardware store near Hobby Airport. Fire officials say officials believe the three people killed in the accident were on the plane. No one was in the parked car that was hit. Dealing a blow to gun supporters, a federal appeals court ruled Thursday that Americans do not have a constitutional right to carry concealed weapons in public. In public, in a dispute that could ultimately wind up before the Supreme Court, a divided Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals said local law enforcement officials can place significant restrictions on who is allowed to carry concealed guns. By a vote of seven to four, the court upheld a California law that says applicants must cite a quote good cause to obtain a concealed carry permit. Huh? Yeah, you need a good cause. Right. This last one's for you. Okay. Health officials are warning about the dangers of a. Pat- Potentially deadly homemade concoction of racing fuel and soft drinks some teens are consuming to get drunk. Are you serious? In a report released today, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention documents the deaths of two Tennessee adolescents who ingested the mixture at a party. Two other teens who drank it became intoxicated but survived. According to the Tennessee Poison Center, which first investigated the deaths in January, the teens mixed methanol with Mountain Dew to make a lethal concoction known as Dew Shine. Dude, give me some dew shine. Are you serious? Kids, they're drinking racing fuel, methanol. I want it unleaded, mom. I'm a little concerned. I want unleaded. I'm really concerned for these kids. You know what? See, in my day, when you would uh, illegally um, borrow fuel from someone else's car Mm -hmm. by siphoning it out, right? (laughs) Sometimes you'd get a little fuel in your mouth. If you were really had bad timing, you'd never drink that. These stuff. kids are mixing it with soda, with Gatorade, with uh, Mountain, Mountain Dew. Dew. I mean, Mountain Dew could probably fuel a car anyway. Oh, right. <laughs> then you add a little methanol to it. Bada boom, bada bing. Mountain That's Dew crazy. makes kids crazy anyway. Well, so does you know. And now they're adding some methanol. Oh, Not a big deal, right? Kids, parents. That's why – let me just tell you something. Hmm. Teach your kids not to smoke if they're going to be drinking the Mountain Dew beverage with methanol in it. Yeah, that would be – that would be really dangerous. Be explosive. Yeah. <laughs> Don't smoke. Fireworks. How did Timmy <laughs> – that's why they're all using the Huffer things. What are they called? The vape pen. The vape, oh, yeah. 
They're vaping. Safety precautions, yeah. Unbelievable. Okay, well, that's fine. I mean, there is alcohol that is like 100 and whatever proof, right? That mm. it's probably like drinking gasoline. I don't know. People a whole used lot to drink that. I'm going to be yeah. Good, good, good. Keep it that way. Yeah. Um, thank you. Appreciate it, Caitlin. Excellent news. See Man. you next hour. Good job. Hey, we, um, we've got so much to talk about. So, for example, as you know on the show, we, we really are very big on creating a visual radio show for you. Video uh, per, per pound, our show uses more video than any other radio show on air. So we just want you to know that. But here's why. A kid goes to um, school for show and tell, right? Now – Favorite thing, Ben? What's the what's your favorite thing you've ever seen in show and tell? Do you remember anything stand out? Like, wow, that is so cool. Somebody brought their cat in one time. That was pretty cool. Hold on, that uh, their cat. Mm-hmm. Their parents were there, so okay. they like they took it afterwards. Yeah, I mean that's super cool. I mean, I remember my kids would leave, and they're like, "I forgot my show and tell," and you just grab whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's, here's a cup. Take this cup, a styrofoam cup. Make some story up about yeah. it. Yeah. Talk about it. This is the cup that was on the moon. Um, my dad told me to lie. So uh, this one kid brought a python to show and tell, you know, that slithered away after show and tell was over. He had, a, he had the, the python in a styrofoam container, kind of like those coolers you have um, that you can buy at the store just at the, uh, the quick little uh, in-and-out kind of uh, gas stations. And a media outlet reports that this South Carolina kid, he lost his snake basically. Uh, the ball python – it was a middle school by the way – brought it to science class. And then later in the day, they discovered that the snake had made a break from the container. School officials called wildlife uh, officials to help come find the snake, and it took five hours to find the python, which they found was, um, I guess, lodged in a gap behind a cabinet. And it just so happens we have video. We have video of the entire thing. And as as we want to do on the show, we're going to we're now going to show you the video of the snake getting out of the container and hiding. Hit it. There's the snake. (laughs) Wow, that's a long snake. Huge. Wow, it's bigger than you thought. Is there a bulge in it? Yeah, I think it ate something. Probably just fed it. Oh, look at it go. There it goes, right behind the cabinet. Did you hear hear something? Um, I didn't hear a lot. Yeah. You know, it, oh, snakes don't make the best radio, but here's what we figured out. The snake was making noise. Uh, we could detect a little noise. So we, we actually tuned in our microphones a little bit more and zoomed in on it. This is actually what we heard the snake saying. So do you want me to turn it up first? Yeah, turn it up and z- z- zone in on it. I'm a snake. I'm a slither little snake a snake. I'm so slithering and sneaky because I'm a snake. Slithering in your garden, catching me a mouse. Snake. Oh, you got a mouse. I'm a snake. Look into my eyes, jungle boy. <laughs> look into okay. my eyes. Okay. That's it. I'm a slithery, 
That's, I didn't know that's what they were saying. Snakes say the darndest things. Did you notice that snake had like a lisp? Yeah. It's kind of a lispy snake. (laughs) That was weird. I'm never going to really look at snakes the same. No way. No. But I like that audio. Oh, yeah. It's. I mean, it's amazing what you can do now with audio. Years ago, you couldn't have done that. Oh, yeah. We we just like zoomed in on a certain like mm-hmm. area and, and heard the sound. It was talking cool. snake behind a cupboard. <sighs> anyway, we've got lots of other news. Um, did you hear about the seagull that um, turned red? Yeah, the BBC had it yesterday. It's fantastic. Do you uh, do you remember the story? A seagull fell into a vat of curry. Yeah, came out orange. Pretty hot. I mean, I if you know. had to, if if you were a seagull. And you're tired of being the white seagull. Look at the white seagull. Wouldn't you love to come out as an orange seagull? Probably not. The thing nearly drowned. Because you smell even more like food to those things that want to eat you. He fell into a vat of chicken tikka masala in Wells. Little orange bird now. Well, maybe a large orange bird. We don't know. They say uh, orange is the new black. Apparently it's the new black, white, and gray it's an ugly bird. Seagulls, it's a seagull. But it, no, uh, seagulls eat, were it, not meant to be orange. It, eat, it eats whatever it finds and then flies over here and gets rid of it and then eats some more. And But the problem is um, it, by, it, it, it could have drowned. It would have drowned because yeah. it was just getting tossed. But it was in a vat of chicken, right? Yeah. Would people have noticed? It's a bird. Well, yeah, because it has hair or feathers on it. Just texture. The, the bad thing is, do you know the razzing that little seagull's going to get when it goes back to the seagull world? You're assuming that seagulls act like humans. Of course they do. Okay. Did you just hear that snake? Have you not seen Finding Nemo? They are going to laugh. And I'm going to tell there, you. Were there seagulls in Finding Nemo or was that? Yeah, they didn't really talk at all though. Yeah. Well, because they didn't, they didn't, you know, you know, they don't want to pay everyone to talk. They were, they were actors that were. Stand in. There was there was a talking seagull in the Little Mermaid. Was there? Yeah, he had like spoons and forks that he liked. Was that one orange? No, he could have been though. Could have been. He could have fallen into some curry. Would he have been rejected by the seagull? I am not here to limit the possibilities of that seagull. Yeah, let me just tell you though, if let's just say the seagull's floating on the water, Mm. do they float on the water? Yes, they do. And uh, let's just say a shark came up and ate it. Okay. That is one good seagull. <laughs> it's all seasoned. Perfectly seasoned. That's bit per- spicy. He looks like it's a, been baking in the sun. It looks like <laughs> a big wing, like a barbecue wing. Uh, it here. does. It's like that orange that wing orange color. sauce on the wings. So. And they say uh, the rescue center staff plans to keep the, the, the bird there because the natural oils that uh, they use, it's not getting the sauce off like they hoped. Hmm. I just hope it doesn't go back to like the landfill. Because it's a beautiful orange bird now. It, it, well, it demands a better place I, than the land. I though. think the way it works is that if the seagull is near the sea, that's where they hang out. But if they're in landlocked areas like, I don't know, Utah, Utah? the yeah, they hang out at the dump. That's what they do. I think they'll go anywhere. <laughs> Pretty much. Wherever there's food. But that's a special one. It will be the one that will stand out, though, which usually in nature is not good. Usually yeah, don't. you kind of want to hide. You want to just look like the rest of everybody else. Um, anything else going on in the news that we have to pay attention to, other than, of course, the orange seagull 
and the talking snake. What is that snake still talking? Um, I I'm not sure. Do you want me to just maybe look in on it? I'm not sure if it's still talking, but because I, I I feel like there's a really good chance that um, if we could actually listen more to our animals, yeah, well, let, we, I think we'd learn more. What's, let me see. It's yeah. it's live streaming, so. Yep. Still talking. This the snake has sass. I wonder like, if that's like a snake thing. Or... Yeah, snakes I think have attitude because they don't have hands, not legs. Yeah. What's up, Terry? So we're going into a topic here about electronic devices. How do you deal with? I guess being living in a connected world yeah. and kind of having that sort of one. One of the features on phones now is they have these digital assistants. Yes. Siri is what's on the uh, iPhone. Do you use Siri? Siri doesn't like me. Siri doesn't like anybody, apparently. Siri reminds me of the Slytherin snake. It says it's been around since the iPhone 4S. It says 98% of iPhone users have used Siri. Just 3% of us are using the feature in public or in front of other people. (laughs) Just 3%. We're embarrassed. It says only 3% use it in public. That number doubles for those using other digital assistants, Google Now, and Cortana. So those are on Windows and Google. More people use those. Wow. So 20% of those people polled reported they don't use the feature in public because it's uncomfortable talking to their phone with other people around. Siri, find, um, find you know, Ben Wasden in my contacts. Find it yourself, loser. This is 12% of Android users feel fine talking with their phone to their digital assistant. So you're not talking to someone on your phone. You're just talking to this automated yeah. voice, but people feel, feel odd talking to this device. It's like shame. It's, it's Siri shame. Most people use Siri talking to in, in their car because they're by themselves. Mm-hmm. Who cares? But it says 62% rate, uh, usage rate is nearly double that of Android's 37% in cars. So that may mm-hmm. have to do with accessibility there. But it says that 3% of iPhone users say they use Siri and talk that's to their digital assistant in public. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. I think that's weird. I, I try to set timers with yeah. Siri. She misunderstands me and the, does a web search I know that. for a timer. Oh, and I go, just, crazy. I need a 30-minute timer thing. And, and it does a web search. I know, I know. Siri. So I just say, by that time, you could just open it, gone to the, the clock feature and Doesn't set a Doesn't she timer. remind you of Ben sometimes? Where all you want Ben yeah. to do is like, hey, Ben, a just take us task. to commercial. And he's like... You want to go on the internet? Just oh. No, Ben, I just want to go to commercial. Your mother has a goat? No, Ben. Jeez. Anyway, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to be talking about a new book, Consciously Connecting, A Simple Process to Reconnect in a Disconnected World. Is it getting harder and harder to actually be present with the people around us? Well, our next guest has uh, got some tools, some ideas, some information to help us connect back into the world and maybe even uh, put the technology aside or even use technology to connect in. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. 50% of teens and 20% of parents feel that they are addicted to their mobile devices, according to a poll um, that was reported in CNN.com. 
Uh, Nearly 80% of teens check their phones hourly. 72% feel they need to respond immediately. So technology is creating some serious problems uh, for us here in the world. And according to our guest, technological addiction can happen to anyone, uh, said the digital detox expert Holland Haas, who describes technology as the new 21st century addiction in her book, Consciously Connecting, a simple process to reconnect in a disconnected world. Uh, Holland Haas, we're honored to have you. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. I've been looking forward to this. This is a it's such a necessary topic. We are addicted and our kids are even apparently either they're either more honest or more addicted than we are um, to our technology. I guess we've sensed that, right? We, we've sensed it's taking over our world. But you you make a big point that it's actually it's disconnecting us. It's disconnecting us from life. It is disconnecting us from life. And what research has shown us over and over again is that we begin to feel better after we've seen people in the flesh, face-to-face. Research also shows us that we feel better after we connect in this way, you know, live, either through a phone call. So what we are taking away, what we are not giving ourselves, um, in the way of a, a gift, so to speak, is we're doing everything through text and we're doing these emails. And as we know, we can read a lot into that that really isn't there. An emoji does not substitute for for a real connection and, and laughing together and hearing a smile in someone's voice and being able to comfort them when they're, when they're sad or depressed or crying. And this is the piece that we're moving further and further away from. Oh, and, and I mean, I just imagine... 20 years from now, 30 years from now, how much just basic knowledge and, and skill sets, how many, how many of the tools of life we may have lost or a generation we may have lost simply because we didn't pay more attention to, to creating a, you know, a conscious connection. Yes, which is why it becomes so imperative for people to, to wake up, consciously connect, to where they feel, where they see a disconnect, not only in themselves, but in their families. Yeah. And it's, it's very present. Uh, you know, so, so let's look a little bit at, at addiction and, and what it is that we're looking for. So first of all, when you can't do without your phone, and I mean, I have literally seen children and teenagers having temper tantrums out in, you know, Barnes and Noble or on the streets or because their phones have gone out or they can't, they can't pick up Wi-Fi. And they are literally, you're watching a meltdown hmm. in front of you. So that becomes a really big signal to, to parents, to teachers, to friends, to family. Um, when you can't get off the Internet, when you can't stop texting for a meal, for a bathroom break. And, and I have to say, I don't want to uh, sit here sounding as though I'm on the throne in judgment because I have literally, there were a few <laughs> years back, that I had to look at my own behavior because yeah. it is so easy. It is such a slippery slope where I would work for six hours straight and I wouldn't get up for a glass of water. I wouldn't get up to go to the bathroom. I wouldn't get up to eat. You know, my husband would walk in the room and he's like, you haven't, you haven't left your desk. Like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, oh, right. Oh, that. So, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> it's true, though. It, and it, it, so it does. It happens to everybody, right? Yes. 
Yes. So we, we want to take a look at what can we do? What can be tangible? How can we help ourselves so that we can uh, help others as well? So first thing, let's start setting some parameters. So I know that for myself personally, when I have days that I work at home as opposed to being out with clients, I've got to set a timer for 60 minutes. And every 60 minutes then, that is my wake-up call that I've got to get up, I've got to do a few stretches, I have to take the bathroom break, I need to go refresh my water, I need to maybe make a personal phone call, maybe reach out, check in with my mom for the day, reach out, check in with a friend, do something to kind of shake it up. Because we know that when we get up to do this, think of back in the day when our parents, you know, when they're, when everything was brick and mortar, right? right? Everyone physically went to a job site each day. What happened? You got up, you went to the water cooler, you went to the bathroom. Some people go out, they had those cigarette breaks. And what happened was there is the disconnect from consistently working and maybe that problem that you're trying to flesh out that you're getting you know you're not you're not getting any anywhere with that you meet someone you start having a conversation and the next thing you know something the light bulb goes off and you're like oh my gosh the, the answer was there all the time and you run back to your desk and what happens you're re-energized, you're yeah. revitalized, you're excited, and you're able to continue with your work, which means your product- productivity increases because you're in that sweet spot and you're excited, and we don't give ourselves time to get to that sweet spot. It's almost like you need you need the interruptions occasionally uh, throughout the day to to bring you back into consciousness almost. Yes. You are exactly right. And, and then that, you're saying, spurs, and I know the research has said that too, the spurs your ability to, to actually make different connections in your brain, right? That's absolutely correct. I yes. mean, because it could be the dumbest thing that somebody said about a basketball game at the water cooler, but it may also be a perfect analogy, or it may take your mind somewhere else that will create answers in other parts of your life. You've got to mix yes. it up. But don't people yes. think they're doing that by just sitting on their phone? They th- don't they think? I mean, it's almost like this visual that we're moving to another. Well, I'm going to another world now. I'm. I just told a story about a bird that landed in chicken marsala, and it's orange now. So now, see, now I'm in the bird orange world. But there's something different about getting up, moving your body, and experiencing people and different ideas. Yes, and and unfortunately, what we're not connecting, if you will, and there's a, a huge disconnect is. We've got access to what we, quote, believe is everything 24-7 right in front of us. You see, I don't need to pick up the phone or I don't need to go and see Matt. I don't need that because I have everything right here in front of me and I can just send a quick text or send an email. I I don't need to, you know, nothing closes down. And that's part of the problem is that the Internet doesn't close down. The email box never closes. It's not like the mailman that came once a day and that was it. And, it, and you, you may be disappointed that you didn't get that letter you were waiting for or you didn't get that check. But within 10 to 15 to 30 minutes, you'd let that go and you'd carried on with your day. Right. You see, now the mailman comes 
every second of every day. And so if we don't get what we want, we keep going to the mailbox, going to the mailbox, <laughs> going to the mailbox. And we're on this crazy merry-go-round where we're not consciously connecting and saying, okay, wait a second. I'm going to go to the mailbox three times a day. I'm going to look specifically for these five emails, if you will, because mm-hmm. this is priority. How often, and, and I ask all your listeners as well as you, Matt, how often have you gone to the email, right, and you've gone to the inbox, and you know specifically, I'm looking for something from Matt, and then you open it up, and you're like, oh, my God. Oh, there's something else. Yeah. A sale. Oh. And then you click on that, and suddenly, 30 minutes later, you've gone through everything except looking for Matt, and you're in there. Yeah. And you're there, and then you stop and go, Okay, wait a second. What? Wait, what was I looking for? <laughs> it's true. It happens, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you're watching a YouTube video of a Slytherin snake or something right. stupid. <laughs> and you're like, this has nothing to do with my day. <laughs> That's right. How did I get here? Uh, right? This is so true, Holland. Let, let's take a break. I come back. I want to come back and have you just keep teaching us what else we can do to to consciously get in. Um, into our lives. Really, take it back. Folks, the name of the book is Consciously Connecting, A Simple Process to Reconnect in a Disconnected World, and it's written by uh, Holland Haas, and you can go to Holland Haas, uh, Holland Haas, Haas is spelled H-A-I-I-S, hollandhaas.com for more information on that. We'll take a break, come back, more on how to uh, consciously connect. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, it's it's an addiction, and the numbers are, are staggering. Um, 80% of teens check their phones hourly. 72% feel the need to respond immediately. There's this constant pressure that's uh, that exists now. And our guest, Holland Haas, who is the author of the book Consciously Connecting, A Simple Process to Reconnect in a Disconnected World, She's joining us. You can find her website, Holland Haas, H-A-I-S-S dot com, Holland dot com to find out more about uh, what she's teaching us. Holland, teach us some more. What I mean, how do we handle this world where we're so prone to disconnect? How do we actually focus in and stay present? Okay, so if I may share a little bit about the dopamine and, and our brain. You bet. And, and again, little greater understanding, and then we can connect the dots a, a little bit better. So the dopamine is stimulated by unpredictability, all right? So when you think about, we never know what we're going to get on social media. It's why we keep coming back for more. Huh. It's the same with our inboxes. And this is stimulating us, and it's, it's feeding up our brains, and it's getting us excited. So think about it in this way. If you had Christmas every single day of the year, and every morning that you woke up, there were presents under the tree that you could run and open, what would that do for you? <laughs> I'd be neurotic. Right? We all would be neurotic. And then, once the gifts were open, magically, you'd leave the room, you would go and shower, and you'd come back, and there would be more. Yeah. 
and then you'd go outside maybe for a, a run or go to the gym, and you'd come back and there were more. Well, this is what is happening moment after moment after moment. So, so once we understand that it's all this unpredictable, unpredictability, which, by the way, is similar to slot machines, Slot machines, it, it offers us the same. You see, we get enough of a reward that we continue to go back and repeat the action over and over, which is why that becomes so addictive as well. It's that unpredictability. So we, the dopamine in our brain, we, we know we need that. Okay, the unpredictability, that's, that's where we're getting the rush hmm. of excitement. So how do we say, all right, if I'm sitting down and I realize, wow, I've just been surfing through the Internet and, and emails and clicking on the YouTube snake stuff for the last three hours, yeah. this is a problem. I remember on, on Matt's show, okay, get up, go outside, go take a walk, go get in the car and take a drive, go and exercise, because also that is giving your brain the same unpredictability. You don't know if you get in the car and say, okay, I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to take that drive I've always wanted to take, or I'm going to get off on that subway stop that I never get off on because I don't know Brooklyn or lower downtown, and I get turned around on those streets. Get off. That's what you want to do. You want to feed your brain in the same way with unpredictability, excitement that you're doing by staying connected to these devices, all right? So, so that's a way that you can work to start breaking it up and substituting something else. Yeah, okay? and, and, and it really, I guess you're saying it doesn't matter what it is, just if it's unpredictable. Exactly. And exactly. that's interesting. Is, is that why, um, I mean, people can just watch TV. I guess TV could become addictive. The addictive agent is dopamine, really, and it's just feeding... But if you're watching a show that you're binging on and you just keep watching it and watching it, it's because it's so unpredictable of what will be next. Once the show gets predictable, you probably aren't yes. getting fed anymore. You're no longer – the dopamine is stimulated by unpredictability. Mm. So if it becomes predictable, the stimulation isn't there, which is why there's been – and this is such a great point that you've brought up, Matt – television has changed and a lot of people have said to me why is reality television like why do so many people like it and i say it's the unpredictability and it's the pace also you see what we've also done to our brains because we are you, you know some of us have two and three monitors on a desk and we've got four and five windows open and then we've got ipads and phones and you, you know we, uh-huh. we literally look like we're about ready to blast off to space at any moment with with everything going on and you stop and you think about where television has been and where it's needed to go, and why are certain shows successful? Well, you know, when you've got table flipping and fights and hair pulling and you know, all this, what was once considered behavior that, that, you know, none of us would have partaken in, and I hope a lot of us still feel the same way, but it is. It's like watching a train wreck. You cannot pull no, yourself you away. You got to look. And, yeah. and that's, I mean, that's why every time you get an email, you got to check. I mean, this could be seriously unpredictable. Yes. <laughs> so our mind's like, yeah, feed the monster, feed the monster. Feed the monster, and it's like, it's like the slot machine. Oh, I'm disappointed, but let me pull, pull that handle one more time because <laughs> I think the next email I open is going to be the jackpot. <laughs> jackpot. 
Talk to me about what we do. How do we detoxify this? How do we maybe get uh, less into needing the dopamine fix um, and maybe just creating or, or getting the fix other than, you know, going on walks, exercising? I've heard people talk about a fast, you know, like stop using technology so much every day or so much a week. Does that work? It definitely helps a lot. Yes. It, now, now look, we're, we're people who are really, really addicted. I mean, who have a real addiction, as in like an alcoholic or a drug addict, right? And again, substance addiction and behavioral addiction are are different. Um, however, if you truly, truly are addicted, I had a mother reach out to me not too long ago, where a child of hers is taking a second leave. Uh, from college due to addiction. So, mm. so that's, that's very, very different than, than those of us that have these patterns that we can move forward to consciously work on, on breaking. So one of them is let's start substituting. Let's get outside. Let's take that walk. Let's take that run. Let's drive in the car. Let's mix it up. Let's get off on those, those subway stops that are a little different. Let's take different routes to work, okay? Because that's that's going to feed some of that a little bit. And again, it's going to take away some of the anxiety. Let's look at setting parameters. I'm really big on setting parameters, knowing your why. And what I mean by that is when you're going on to social media, know your why. Why are you going there, Matt? Are yeah, you what's your goal? There? What's your purpose? Exactly. That's cool. I mean, that's, I mean, just because that right there, I can already see you're putting it in your frontal lobe of your brain. You're, you're, you're making it an intentional prefrontal cortex choice. Yes. Thought. Yes. And very often, once I, I share that in my digital detox programs with families, the minute I say that, it's amazing how many parents go, oh, I don't even care anymore. You're right. I was looking at this one's this and that one's that. I mean, and that's the slippery slope, is that we can go on, and again, I've done this as well. You go on to, to Facebook, and I look at what Matt's doing, and right. Matt has a friend, Joe, and I'm like, I, I don't know why I feel the need to look at Joe's pictures that he's in Paris. Yeah. And then I click on Joe, and then Joe has an interesting friend that's in Australia, and suddenly I'm, I'm like, who are these people, that's and why right. am I looking at them? Right? I don't even know them. It's, and suddenly, how much time did that take, Matt? Oh, a day. Thank you. Now you've lost a day, a day yeah, of your life. Day. <laughs> and then what happens is you start to feel bad, you feel shame, you feel bad that how come I don't have a life like that? Mm-hmm. How, come, how come I don't get as many likes as, you know, Susan in Australia? I don't even know Susan, but Susan got a lot of likes, and I now feel badly because I don't get that many likes. She, I noticed she had a lot of shares, and it's like, so this is what happens. Yeah, then so you need again, more fix, right? Then you yeah. need more dopamine. So it's, we're on that roller coaster mm. up and down. So once again, let's set our parameters. Let's know our whys, have a goal, have a purpose, and set a timer. Mm. So if I'm looking for my college friend and I say, this is what I am using, this is my why, this is my purpose, all right, I'm going to spend, I think, 20 minutes is, is what works in my schedule. I'm going to spend 20 minutes. I'm going to set the timer. In those 20 minutes, if I did not find that college person, then, then maybe tomorrow or two days from now, and, and I'm going to decide, hey, I'm only going to engage with social media four times a week. So now, two days from now, I'll take that 20 minutes again, and I will bucket it 
toward looking for this person until I eventually say, you know what, it's not meant for me to find this person right now. I'm going to stop that, and I'm going to do something else with my social media time. Or I may start to look at it and say, oh, I just don't care, and I don't need to go on, and I'm going to use it to do something else. And if you actually set a goal and a parameter and the timer and you keep that goal, then your character grows. Then you you feel a greater sense of integrity with yourself. You feel that you're in control Mm. because you're connected. And that's the whole purpose of consciously connecting is finding the thread to your own power and really understanding where you've experienced disconnect in your lives, because we all go through times that we, we have a disconnect in some area, whether it's goals, our boundaries, our playtime, our family, our relationships. We all feel that we're off the rails at, at some point in time. Right. And the idea is that you can go to that power place and realize, how do I start working to, to get to get back on track. Yeah. And by doing it in this way, setting these parameters for social media, you start to realize, is social media, is, is it valid for your life? Is it something you like? Are you just doing it because of everybody else? And I've had many, many clients that have turned around and said, I just don't even care about it. No, right. And, I'm done. And they've been, they've shut down. That's so awesome. Holland Haas, great insight. Uh, appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here and teaching us this. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Matt. You bet. Everybody go to the website, hollandhaas.com. Holland Haas, Haas is spelled H-A-I-I-S. Go look for her book, Consciously Connecting, a simple process to reconnect in a disconnected world. We're going to take a break, folks, but we will reconnect in just a few minutes and continue the discussion. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, all this technology, it seems like it should be helping us a lot more than it really does. Sometimes it just distracts us. There's a story about a woman who was following her GPS, drives her car right into Canada's Georgian Bay. Following directions from her car's GPS, a 23-year-old Canadian woman drove straight into a frigid Ontario Bay earlier this week. The woman, who was not familiar with the area, was driving when she missed a right turn and drove straight into a boat launch leading into Georgian Bay. Oh, this is sad. They're scary. Thursday, it was dark, stormy, visibility was low, and the car's momentum carried it out past the shore and the red Toyota Yaris Yaris sunk below the surface. Luckily, the fast-thinking woman was able to roll down her window before the car's power cut out and she would swim to shore. Police said the temperature of the water was 40 degrees Fahrenheit, and the woman had to swim almost 100 feet to shore. I mean, what do you do? You trust GPS, and the next thing you know, you're swimming to shore. Well, the voice is so calming. Yeah. Turn left at the next light. (laughs) There isn't a light. You ever had that moment? There's no light. There's there's nowhere to turn. I guess I go into this. I guess I just drive up onto this lawn. Um, Well, we happen to have video of the whole thing. And as we like to do, we're showing the video. 
Recalculating. <laughs> Recalculating. It'd be better if there was like a blub, blub, blub. What do you mean better? Like like if the voice somehow sounded as if they were underwater talking to you. Yeah. I think it was a waterproof model. Ooh, okay. Yeah, that's the waterproof upgraded. GPS upgraded. model. Uh, they had a lot of accidents. But, you know, the thing was smart enough to recalculate. That's – you got to give it credit for that. That's interesting video, man. She was speeding though. She was hauling. Yeah, how – no wonder. How she, did we get that video? We we're just showing a lot of video on the show. We are pound per pound more video on this radio show than any other radio show. So is it like one of those black boxes in the car? Because it followed the car. No, this was just some guy getting the sunset. Oh, so did he dive in the lake? Yeah, with her. Okay, mm-hmm. that's dedication. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, it's a news. You know, the the news people they're after it. They're after it. You know, what do you say? Uh, I think that's happened to everyone where all of a sudden you end up in some field and you're thinking, this isn't working. My GPS seems a little bit off. I once was told I had – I was going to do a speech and I thought it was just in my neighborhood. But guess what? It wasn't. It was about 4,500 miles away hmm. by car. How long did it take you to figure out you – I only went about 1,000 miles. And then I'm like, this is not worth it. They're not even paying me for this speech. So I had to come back 2,000 miles later. <sighs> Technology. What do you do? What are you supposed to do? Um, we got a lot to talk about. And we, we have only one more hour before it's the weekend. Right? I mean, right when the show's over, we're done. Every day, show's over, we're done. Today. Today's Friday. We're done for the week. We're done. But we're done really every day about the end of the show. We aren't. What do you mean? I still have to take a nap. Okay. A walk. Waxing. It's not really work-related. Did you buy one of those desks that turn into a bed? No, because that looked ridiculous. I I bought a body pillow. Because those got really popular. Liana was talking about it earlier. And I, I saw a love sack in your I got a love office. sack. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. And um, I also bought a fridge and a mannequin to sit in my seat. Well, at so. least you're committed to the, uh, to the process of taking a nap in your office. It can be difficult. It's hard to set that stuff up, though. Mm. I just need him to let me cover my glass in my office. I that would that. that would be easier, it seems like. I'm going to just start putting pictures up there. Have so many pictures. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we have got a ton of news to do with you. We're going to do what we call the news flush, get rid of all the stories that we don't, you know, that nobody really needs to hear. And yet we got to get rid of them because we're going to have a whole new batch of them next week when they bring the batch in from Costco. And also... Um, Just a little Meet the Producer segment. Tons of stuff, folks, to help launch your weekend. Stick with us. Helping you live longer, love stronger, lead healthier, happier lives. This is The Matt Townsend Show. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. 
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show, hour number three. If you happen to have missed the first two hours, shame on you. You missed a great, great day. It's ballpoint pen day. It's also irritant uh, to no end day when you have the guy that just keeps clicking. When's shotgun day? Ben. That is a pen. Did you say pen or Ben? We call him Wazden now. Wazden. Stop. Stop. Hey, we got a great show for you today. Um, It's because it's Friday. It's the day we just like to kind of relax and just take off. So this hour, we've got so much. We're going to be playing a game for you. Oh, yeah. Uh, Know your Disney princesses that will be hosted by our very own Disney princess. Hi. Princess Caitlin. Lehigh's crown princess. Lehigh's Lehigh. Soon to be possibly Miss Utah. Um, yeah, that starts next week. Which is going to be a big deal. And I've been giving her a lot of help. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm her coach. I've been coaching her. I never knew you tap danced. Oh, yeah. yeah. Matt's oh, really yeah. good at walking in hills, guys. I'm telling you. Well, you wear them every day. People don't need to know that. Jeepers creepers. We'll be talking about that. We also are going to have a little meet the producers segment where they have taught me how to be super hip and cool. And I'm going to lay down. I'm going to lay down um, a few rhymes. Yeah. I'm going to do a little beatboxing myself. I'm really excited about this. It was really cool. We, in fact, in the shooting of this segment, uh, we a recording of this segment. We ruined a microphone. Matt spit all over. It got really wet. He just busted it. So we'll be doing that in a few minutes. Um, also, we'll be visiting with our the uh, the brethren, we call them, of BYU Sports Nation. The brethren. They're two wild and crazy guys. And uh, we'll find out what's going to be on their show at the top of the hour. Plus, of course, we'll wrap up the entire show with the Heroes segment. So we got a lot to do. But first, let's get to Caitlin Thomas, find out what's going on around the rest of the country. Caitlin, what's up? All right, all right, Matt. Well, it looks like Donald Trump's got a lot of negative news this week. Um, While he was casting himself as a fiscally responsible business mogul, a USA Today investigation found hundreds of people who claimed the presumptive Republican nominee failed to pay them for their work. The newspaper found, by combining lawsuits, liens, judgments, and government filings, that Trump shirked on paying, among others, a dishwasher in Florida, a glassmaker in New Jersey, a carpet company, a plumber, painters, 48 waiters, dozens of bartenders and hourly resort employees, real estate brokers, and several law firms that represented him, including, ironically, some that defended him in suits involving his failure to pay bills. On Thursday, the House passed legislation 297 to 127 that would allow the restructuring of some of Puerto Rico's $70 billion debt and create a financial control board to oversee negotiations with creditors and courts. No taxpayer funds will be provided to reduce the debt, and the U.S. territory of 3.5 million people must make a fiscal plan that would provide adequate funds for public pension. Puerto Rico has missed several payments to creditors and has a $2 billion payment due in three weeks. Governor Alejandro Garcia Padilla said Thursday that while he wasn't happy with the plan, it will, quote, protect us from the chaos that will result from an inevitable default that looms on July 1st. The measure, which is supported by President Obama, House Speaker Paul Ryan, and Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi, now heads to the Senate. Some Chicago public schools have been forced to shut down water fountains and bring in bottled water after test results revealed dangerously high levels of lead in the water fountains. Chicago school district officials said on Thursday that out of 65 schools tested, 14 had been found to have lead in the drinking water. Parents of the children will be notified in the full list of schools released afterward. 
The tests began in April after it became known that the water quality hadn't been checked in years. A representative for the school district described the testing as proactive steps taken amid increased awareness of lead poisoning following the scandal in Flint, Michigan. It is unclear how long the water at the affected schools was contaminated. Thieves have stolen more than $55,000 worth of iPhones from New York City Apple stores over the past four months by dressing as employees. The New York Post reports it started in February when a woman dressed like an Apple employee grabbed eight iPhones from an Apple store on the Upper West Side. A male accomplice distracted the store's actual employees while another acted as a lookout. The same store was hit again in March. This time, a man dressed as an employee grabbed 59 iPhones out of a drawer at the Genius Bar and had a female accomplice transfer them to a duffel bag in the bathroom while a male accomplice acted as a lookout. The total value of the stolen iPhones in both thefts was $49,300. Wow. This is a good story, Matt. What? This one will make you happy. What? When Army Major Jaspin Booth heard about Serena Vine, she knew she had to do something. Vine, a veteran of World War II who died on May 21st at age 91 with no known surviving family. Booth learned that there were only going to be four people attending Vine's funeral service at Virginia's Quantico National Cemetery. And, quote, that just didn't sit right with her. So she worked on getting the word out on Facebook with posts urging locals to attend the Tuesday service or send friends in the area to attend. About 200 people ended up attending on Tuesday, including a group of motorcyclists who served in the military and other retired and active duty service members. Booth was moved when she got to the cemetery and saw the response. She said now she has 200 known family and friends in the area. And she added at the end that we served together, so therefore we should not die alone. Oh, that's cool. I know. That's really cool. That is cool. Huh? See that right there. That is why. That's why we're humans. Right. Take care of each other. Watch Take after care each other. other. Just because because we're people. Yeah. I. You know what? I will do the exact same thing for Ben. Oh yeah. When he dies. Is that before or after you kill him with the shotgun on shotgun day for clicking his pen? Wait what? for what? If he clicks his pen on shotgun day, he's dead. That's what I'm saying. Are you still going to go to the funeral? But today's not shotgun day. Mm. You better look out, Ben. Today's. Ballpoint pen day. So you're saying you're going to come to my funeral? Well, yeah. He's saying he's going to be the cause of you having to have a funeral. Oh. Well, yeah. I'm going to do both. Why can't I do both? I feel kind of uncomfortable right now. You know, speaking mm-hmm. of funerals, um, pretty cool thing. Thank Kate. Thank you, Caitlin. You're welcome. For your help there, um, giving us the news. But I've, I uh, yesterday I purchased my grave site. Yikes. <sighs> You're that old. I know where I'm going to be buried. Where are you going? Well, is that an appropriate question to ask? It's about 20 miles outside of Vegas. Ah, that makes sense. No, but I it's isn't that weird? I know where I'm not going to tell you where I'm going to be buried, but I we've got the place. We should post it on the Twitter page. Why? Why why would we do that? Just so people can no. get ready to mourn. And- but it's a really weird thing because I know who I will be next to. Your wife? Uh, no, other family member. My wife too. Okay. But my wife may – I might – honestly, I might bury her on top of me. Save money. Recycling. And so – but I'm going to have other family members next to me. This is very strange. And my wife's family this is just a couple rows a away. No, but this is, what, this is what we think about when you're 47 years old. You're you, 47? Yeah. Hey, you finally let it slip. Oh, oh. man. You guys, I don't know what you're talking See about. See you in a second, Matt. See you. Take care, Caitlin. We, um, so I've got my space. That's all I'm saying. I know where I'm going to be buried. Uh, I even know I know what I'm going to wear. And I, I had a special request that they said at the mortuary they've never had anyone ask for. 
To be buried standing up. I want to be standing. And I want to be – I don't want to be stuffed because that sounds like gross. I don't want to like – yeah. I don't want to be stuffed. But I want to be standing. I want my eyes open. You could be turned into an elf on the shelf. No. That's gross. But I want to be like in a speaker pose. And I want for, – for the viewing when people walk by me. I'm serious. I don't know why you guys are laughing. Muhammad Ali's going to be buried today at a Kentucky Fried Chicken Yum Coliseum. What do we call it? Con- uh, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken? KFC. The KFC, no, KFC Yum Center. KFC Yum Center. What's the next one? Ex- I'm not. Exclamation it's where the point. exclamation point. Louisville, University of Louisville yeah. college basketball team it's, plays. I mean, it makes sense, really. It does. So It's the biggest place in Louisville. Totally. It just and happens to have an awkward name for a exactly. memorial service. I mean, I mean, seriously, it could be weirder. It's got the, the colonel right on top of the building. <laughs> Finger licking good. Anyway, let's... Um, Let's take a break. No, we can't take a break. We got to get to so much stuff today. Uh, Terry's got three or four headlines we got to hit. Um, but first, let's just do it. Uh, earlier, Caitlin was talking about a, a criminal, a thief that used the distraction method, and we found another one. And I don't know why the headline reads this, but this is what the headline reads, okay? It's, it seems offensive. Fat woman who repeatedly hit herself on the head. Helped steal paintings worth more than $1,000. Trigger warning. If you hit yourself over the head with a water bottle, uh-huh. this, this might... Yeah. Or if you, might have, if you may have gained some weight. Yeah, that, that too. You may... This is a trigger warning for the story. Two paintings worth more than $1,000 were stolen from Nottingham, England Art Gallery after the staff were distracted by an overweight woman who was hitting herself on the head with a plastic bottle repeatedly. Police are now investigating and looking for two people who were involved in the distraction and theft, they call it. Gallery owner Andy Welch said a very tall guy and an overweight woman came into the shop around 4.30 p.m. This is live video of the uh, theft. Then the woman started banging herself on the head with a plastic water bottle, which confused. It's it's. She's got a hard head, and it confused everyone. And while this while this was going on, the guy went upstairs, and then suddenly he came charging down the stairs, and out the door. And at that same moment, the woman stopped hitting herself, and she left. And there's the video. That's crazy. Is that... That's bizarre. Have you ever seen a video like that, Terry? I, I haven't. I can say that I have not seen a video like that. Ever. Ever. It's amazing. Uh, it was a bizarre but a classic shop theft, the cops say. A distraction and then some way running away quickly. Like with the iPhones. Yeah. Exactly. Guy takes the Apple but, experts and ha- huh? hey. kind of herds them over hey, here with a problem, here. and then they run problem. in the back and steal phones. She stood around, screamed, everyone stared at her, no yeah. one watched the guy go upstairs. Bang, 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 with a bottle on her head. And they're like, is she crazy? No, she's not crazy. They're stealing something. Question. Hmm. There had to have been a better distraction. Okay. Than a bottle banging on the head, don't you think? I don't know. Because you need something to grab the entire room's attention. 
Yeah. It has to last for a specific length of time. I got one. And it has to be quick. What is it? You drink a lot of water beforehand. Public urination. Oh, boy. Hmm. Why does he go there? But seriously. You don't have to go there. No, there's other ways. Like, you got the smell. Uh, Okay. We just keep going. Stop, stop, stop. Go back. Just use the bottle. I think this is really a, a, an effective way to accomplish what they're – we always talk about the dumb criminals, right? No, totally, totally. This is a smart criminal. Well, is it because there, there are – concussion, there's a protocol and you can't – It's a plastic bottle. No, it's not. Listen to this bottle. Re- rewind the video. It's like a woodpecker. She's using a plastic water bottle. She, the thing about this, they can't keep this up. No, I mean, you do it once, you're done. Everyone's going to be looking for this well, situation. Yeah. Unless she wears a helmet. If you see a, a little a, a little overweight lady walk in with a helmet on and a water bottle, tase her. Bad news. Tase that woman. I'm serious. Tase it. Yep. Again, video. Visually showing America what's going on in the world. We're the only radio show doing it. The only radio playing video. <sighs> Terry, what you got for us? So a uh, Russian man is suing his ex-girlfriend. Why? All the money he spent on her. Well. So they met at a ski resort. Okay. 29-year-old woman and a 38-year-old lawyer. Yeah. Time passed after a few months, and she kind of felt like nothing was really progressing to a on the the, the level of t- she she wanted. She, she wanted, wanted a ring. A ring. He wasn't going to pop the question. She lost patience. She threw a tantrum. He threw her out, and then in a couple days, she was served with papers. He is suing her for it's forty five thousand rubles, which wow. comes out to like six hundred eighty five dollars. So, it's just because he wants all that stuff. All the expenses for dating, all uh, the flowers. Well, that doesn't every... seem right. Yeah. He says, to justify the lawsuit, the businessman claimed that he and the woman, Nina, had never really been romantically involved. It was merely a working relationship. Huh. That's a fun story. That's weird. $600, though. Yeah. Don't give Ben ideas. I tried to tally that up when I dated my wife. I couldn't figure out how much I had spent. No, it's better to just see it as just love. You're investing in the yeah. future. Mm-hmm. Uh, dumb criminals. Yeah, we had uh, some. A guy walks into a McDonald's in eastern France, tries to rob the place. Mm-hmm. In fact, he goes in and he did rob the place. He got two thousand two hundred dollars. Wow! What he didn't know is that there was a French special forces team that was in the restaurant eating, having mm-hmm. lunch. Their specialty Whoa. is hostage rescue. Oh no way! Um, so they're, they're really kind of the guys that they oh, would he send in the wrong time. And uh, they waited for him to kind of get out of the restaurant, and the off-duty soldiers uh, intervened. They waited so they didn't get anybody hurt. The first man who was carrying 2,000 oh, – there's two guys. Uh, the first guy stumbled as he attempted to flee and was captured. The other guy was shot in the abdomen by one of the elite soldiers and then arrested. Holy cow. So they picked the wrong McDonald's that day. Yeah, totally. And a warning for those of you swimming off the coast of Florida – it's always Florida. It's always Florida. The uh, sw- the waters around the- there are under attack. Swimmers under attack by an invisible enemy, sea lice. ABC reports oh. experts expect to see widespread outbreaks of sea lice this summer, especially in the Gulf of Mexico. Sea lice are incredibly tiny jellyfish larvae that are invisible in the water. They get stuck between swimmers' skin and bathing suits or hair and start stinging. That leads oh. to sea bathers' eruption. 
which is known as pika pika or ocean itch. <laughs> the itchy rash can last for two pika, weeks. Pika pika. Authorities say the best way to avoid the rash is to wear as little clothing as possible while swimming. Oh, brother. If you do get stung, you don't, you, uh, you'll likely won't notice till a few hours later when the itching starts. Rub the area with sand or a credit card's edge. Then rinse with hot water. Hey, honey, what's Jimmy doing out there? Swimmers in areas where sea lice are present should, pika pika. They should take off their swimsuits before showering and rinse them with vinegar or rubbing alcohol. Oh, Outbreaks heavens. of sea lice have been already confirmed in Florida. The tiny creatures are possibly heading Timmy's towards got sea lice. Alabama. <laughs> there you go. What happened when we just had land lice? Mm-hmm. Though I would give anything. So there's sand lice. That's there's sand you, lice, there's sea lice, there's sea and lice. there's land lice. So there's really nowhere you can be safe from lice. Are you listening, Ben? I'm... Hygiene, number one goal. Yes. And always wear clothes when you swim. No, it's a not to wear no, clothes when you swim, right? you always wear clothes when you swim. Just letting you know. And if you've just been scratching your entire body and then you pour vinegar on your body... I'm telling you, sea lice just sounds like a like. I think it's just a public joke. Something's not right about that. Ah, okay. Ah, poor Florida. Can't even go swimming without getting sea lice. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking Disney princesses. We're gonna play a little game. Do you know your Disney princesses? By the way, brought to you by our own, our very own princess, the Queen. Of Lehigh. Her Royal Highness, Caitlin Thomas, will be joining us. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, uh, it's Friday, and so Friday means it's game day where we, we like to play games. Who better? Who better to lead us in a game of Disney princesses than our very own Disney character and uh, princess in her own right, um, Caitlin Thomas, Miss Lehigh. Hello. How are you, Caitlin? Uh, Talk about the game. What are we going to play? How do we play this? Well, Matt, we're just going to find out how much you know about Disney princesses. Oh, you're in trouble. Okay. Yeah, baby. Okay, but I'm going to give you a little hint to help you because some of these questions are a little bit difficult. So, as of 2015, there are 11 official Disney princesses. Oh, wow. Really? Okay. So, take note. They are Snow White. Okay. Cinderella. Aurora. Ariel. Aurora. Aurora. Sleeping Beauty. Okay. Ariel. Okay. Belle. Jasmine. Pocahontas. Mulan. Tiana. Rapunzel. And Merida. Uh, Rapunzel and... Merida. Okay, I think I may have missed one, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We can do okay. it. Okay. I don't. First, by the way, some hmm. of those I've never even heard of. Well, this will be fun then. Okay. How many Disney princesses... Eleven. ...have red hair? One. Two. Two! You got Ariel and Merida. Oh, Ariel. Ariel has red hair. I thought that was... I thought that that was sea lice. No. Okay. <laughs> Check it. <laughs> yeah. What color is Ariel's seashell top? I shouldn't know that. I'm an old man. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, seashell sea blue. Duh! It's purple. 
purple. <laughs> Are you serious? Green fin, purple top, red hair. Ariel. I don't. I don't look at them that way. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what are the names of Cinderella's stepsisters? Cruella? No, is Merelda? Uh, That's uh, a hard one. Kike, Sanchez, <laughs> and Paco. French, no, <laughs> they're, they're French. Oh. Anastasia and Drizella. Ah, I knew it was an Ella. Gosh, darn it! F- I did too. I Paco was close. close. Philip was the prince for which princess? Prince Philip? Yes. Uh, was for the Queen Elizabeth. Oh. Aurora Sleeping I'm pretty Beauty. sure his name's Prince Philip. Wow, you... Mm. Oh, no, he's the son of the Queen, okay? Oh, okay. Which girl was born a princess rather than having to marry to become one? She was born a princess. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going to go with um, Cinderella. What are you talking... She scrubbed floors. What are you talking about? Jasmine. No! Ariel. Oh, yeah. She's daughter of King Again, King. I don't know. Ever since I met her and her friends with sea lice, I can't look at her the same. Okay, okay. This one's easy. You can okay, do this one. Okay. Which princess had an inventor for a father? Oh, that's easy. Yeah. Belle. Yay! I got you one. You got right. one. Okay, this is another Nailed fun it. one. I bet you can get this one. Which Disney princess movie was the first to show war? War? War. Uh, that would be Cinderella. Try again. Not even close. Oh, uh, sorry. Mulan. 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 There we have it. Oh, which princess is from France? I lied to you earlier. Cinderella is not French. Yeah, right. Uh, which, which princess, princess is, from, is France? from France? Well, I would say, Bonjour. obviously. Bonjour. 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 Yeah, see? Yeah. You just got to sing the song. Uh-huh. Which princess does not get married at the end of the movie? Uh, Pocahontas. Oh, you're right. Thank you. That's a, that one's right. But also, neither does Jasmine. Yeah, good point. She doesn't get married until Aladdin three. Okay, I okay, don't know okay. if Jasmine ever got married, did she? She gets married in the third one. Aladdin. Oh, there were King three of, of them. Yeah, boring. Okay, this is your final question. Okay, I got it. Which movies do not have talking animals? Which movies do not have talking, talking animals? animals? Well, that's easy. There's two of them. Uh, I'm gonna go with Mulan. No, the oh, dragon the, talks. Yeah. Rapunzel? Nope. The animals talk. Ah, oh, boy. Snow White. The animals do her Snow bidding. Snow Whites don't talk? No, they do her bidding, but they do not talk. I thought the rabbit talked. And uh, I guess I'll go with uh, 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 Pocahontas. Mother Willow, Grandmother Willow talks. I guess she's a tree. She's not an animal, that's for sure. But also Aladdin. The genie talks, but the animals don't talk. Oh, I loved Aladdin. Abu, right? He just makes monkey sounds. Abu. Um, that's it. I So what did I get? Like 12 you out got, of 12? No, you got like two. That was pitiful. Mm, like two out of... But I think we did make an incredible discovery. What? Uh, that apparently Ariel's friends have sea lice. <laughs> that's not... No, that's, what, what no, that's one of our crack reporters brought Stop. that up. Anyway, interesting. Killed it. Educated. I, I feel like I did better than I Do really did. you feel educated? <laughs> I done educate myself. Uh, We're going to take a break. When we come back, BYU Sports Nation, we're going to find out uh, what they know about snake talk and other uh, sorted issues. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back. Bye.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, it's the uh, Meet the Producer segment, and in this segment, a lot of times we, you know, we wonder why we do it. Uh, today, I'm sure will be no exception. <laughs> Joining me today, two of our top-notch producers, uh, we call them um, Thomas and Tan. Hello. Hey. We also call them the, they like me to call them the petite producers, which offends all other producers. Well, yeah. except for David. The hip producers is what we're going by today. And today we're going by the hip producers because their goal is to have me teach them how to be more hip. No, no that's completely the opposite no. of what our goals is of today's segment. What are your goals? Well, Matt, earlier, right, when I was doing the news okay. on Wednesday, yeah, we were talking about you, you always have to bring up my royalty thing. Yeah. So we were talking about how you wanted to compete in a pageant and do Mr. Lehigh because you want to wear a crown. Okay. But in order to compete in the Miss America organization, you have to have an onstage talent. And you're going to need it. to be a little And And we kind hit. of wanted to give you a talent yeah. that would make you stand out because that's how you win. you got to have a talent that the judges really enjoy. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so we thought we actually have a third guest in with us today. This is Leanna's friend. She will introduce him in a Hold second. On. But he's going to help. Leanna has a friend? I know. Okay, Matthew. <laughs> So That's I were teaching you to be more hip, a little bit more tactical. So we are. Okay, we're going to teach sorry. you. We're going to give you sorry a pageant talent today. Okay. Okay. Um, and it's it's going to be very. Um, what's the word I'm looking for besides impressive? Hip? Impressive. Okay. Is it uh, is it something I can take? You know, other than to a pageant. Yes. Yes. Actually, oh, you could take this anywhere. We're going to teach you. <laughs> you have it with you right now. We're going to teach you how to beatbox. Oh, wow. Yeah. But first, before you can be a beatboxer... You have to have a rapper name. You have to have a good name. Okay, yeah. So, first of all, I looked up online, of course, how to choose the right name, and I found a couple of tips. First of all, you have to keep it really short. You have to keep it memorable and easy, you know, like Snoop Dogg or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, okay... T-Pain. Tell me of, like, a childhood memory that you have. Uh, It's just any childhood memory, something that... You know, when I lost my hermit crab, hermit. Okay, hermit crab. Okay, that was very. You know, that's touching to you. So, this one of the tips is to brainstorm nicknames from your life. Oftentimes, the most effective rap names come from real life. A good rap name is not only catchy but personal, capturing your style in a word or two. So, nicknames are the perfect place for inspiration. So, like Snoop Dogg's mother called him Snoopy when he was a kid. Oh, cute. So, like that's how you got his name. You know. So we could come up with like Hermie or something. You know, that's good. (laughs) Hermesy. Crabby. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem like that'll fit. <laughs> I'm not even going to say the amount of names sea, going like, in my yeah, brain right now. Sea dog, crab. Hey, uh, who's, the, who's the crab on um, that cartoon? Matt lobster. Townsend, the crusty oh, oh, crab. Oh, oh, oh. Krusty. Sebastian. That's oh, a lobster. That's another one, yeah. No, <laughs> Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob. <laughs> oh, Mr. Krabs. Why the crusty crab. This is Matt is the crusty crab. Yeah. Yeah. Krusty okay. Krab. I like it. Okay. Okay. There's your rapper name. Matt Krusty Krab. Okay. It so. It kind of weak. Well, do well, you have any better? better? Well, they, they, <laughs> they call me Hound Dog. Uh, they didn't the Krusty uh, Hound Dog? With my friends. <laughs> that's, that's a little too Matt common. Houndsend. Matt Houndsend. <laughs> the Houndsend. Matt the Houndsend. Oh, I like Snoop it. The Dog already. Houndsend. Matt the Houndsend. Houndsend is in. Okay. 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 All right. So this and is here fun. we brought in a professional uh, kind of. Beatboxer. <laughs> His name's David Waterbury, and he has been beatboxing Hi, for a while. Uh, we went to high school together. I remember him like beatboxing down the halls, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I brought him in to kind of teach us a tip or two. Okay. So, He's going to make you more hip. How do we beatbox? Well, there's 
There's a many ways to beatbox. I don't have a rap name, by the way. You don't. Do you so need I, one? No, I, I I feel like I need one actually in order to water boy. Water boy. Oh, water boy. Water boy. <laughs> Gatorade. The gate. <laughs> water boy. What are you? Leanna's out. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. you're fired from that show. Page two. You're cute though. <laughs> All right. Well, how about we start with? So you can make this pulsating sound in your throat. Mm. Okay, you got to yeah. watch this carefully because okay, it's hard to describe. It's like a, like heartbeat. a heartbeat. Wow. You can do it. Yeah, try you it. You, you have to, you try, need to try it. it out this now. is for you. <laughs> no, no. You, I, I can't. <laughs> just, sort of, just sort of stop it. Oh, yeah. Oh. oh. Can you do it with closing your, while your mouth is closed? No. There, yeah. Look, you're doing it. It's almost like, it's almost like ventriloquism. Now try doing it quicker. Just. Yeah. Now do it. <laughs> it's like you're gasping for air, but <sighs> yeah, Ooh, that's okay. it. How do okay. you? But that like is a workout. Yeah, yeah. Usually your your abs, your are, neck is yeah, your neck, but really your your core the is flexing core. the whole time. Oh, is that what was happening? <laughs> <laughs> this is so this, this is actually a note that we would then play. Yes, yeah, so it'd be like. Song. Okay. That's freaking now let's, sick. Now That's let's do the uh, let's do the that <laughs> next sound. You can do this. So this this, this is next your one, talent for Mr. Lehigh. I can do so the the sound that I made after the you're gonna have it. Yeah, look at that. You already got it. We need to make it more more short and cut it off. We're spitting. Oh, oh you Don't always worry, there's, spit. There's going to be a lot of spit. Beatboxers never look pretty. This is cool. Yeah. I could practice this all the way home and back and home and back and forth. You Matt, can. and, and yeah. you could use this. If you get really good at it, we could actually use your beatboxing as the intro for your show. We can even get more listeners. We can even get an, a listener. What? Uh, uh, yeah. We don't want listeners. Okay, wait. I have, I have one last one. Keep going. Am I good? Yeah, no, Am you're good? great. All right. So this this is called the crab scratch. So you need to take your hand and it's sort of like a little crab. Yeah. Okay? So put it like this. Uh-huh. You guys can all try to. Like. Oh, okay. I'm here. So you're gonna put your mouth in between the crevice of your um, index finger, index finger and, and your thumb. thumb, and you're gonna inhale. So with just with your mouth. So. Did I get it? So. Dude, listen to this. Okay, go for it, David. Uh, it's hard to get in and get the sun here. Yeah. Wow. I've, I'm feeling here because my hands are so dry. Wow, I gotta. I gotta Maybe get some water in those here. hands. Yeah. So, this is what you do, I guess, instead of um, study. This is what I do instead of talk to people, really. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So that's like that sound of a scratch of a record, like a vinyl. Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. That's pretty cool. It is cool. And then it comes out. It's funny. When when Liana does it, it sounds more like she's choking on a (laughs) nugget. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's exactly what I thought it sounded like. You know, someone's choking on a nugget. Don't you hear the nugget coming up? (laughs) That was Leanna. <laughs> yeah. Am I getting it? Yeah, look at that. <laughs> yeah, there's the nugget. 
It's a great uh, talent. But so, so explain to maybe the older generation why anybody would want to do this instead of, I don't know, learning an instrument that's, you know, like an old school instrument, a violin. Probably because of self-generated media. Because this is happening. You yeah. also you don't, can, you don't you can have make... to pay if you're beatboxing with your own mouth. You don't have to pay an instrument. Yeah, that's true. Though. But, um, Take it with you. You know, YouTube and, and videos that you would make on yourself as an artist, you know, you can record yourself beatboxing. Get us, record yourself. Now, just go. You just go. I want to hear you go with a song. With a song. I want you to do a whole song with every sound you've taught us. And a whole song. And if you want, and then I'm assuming <clears throat> Liana would lay down a rhyme. Uh huh. So just yeah, we'll be. I can come up with the beat, and she's gonna rap. She's gonna lay down a rhyme. Yeah. Okay. That'd be great. Oh, Ooh. we already have. And it. we got, we a, got beat. a beat. Okay, we're ready for you, David. <clears throat> This is the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, What's up, yo? My name is Liana, and I'm the best producer. Yo. And where Matt Townsend is getting more hip. I'm waiting for a ride to come. I'm waiting for him to take a turn boxing. I haven't heard you yet. Come on, Matt. You're in now. Yeah. Roses are that red and violets are blue. <laughs> <laughs> and this beat's so Look how cool. that's so... How do you do I'm that? I'm going to trounce you. Oh, that's Ooh. a little Bill Cosby. Okay, that was cool. <laughs> I went Bill Cosby on you. That was, David, your beat sounded in, like you were hyperventilating and dying. Yeah. Do you not get winded? <laughs> well, that, no, because you're... You have to you're just get... You're working the abs. You're working the abs. You've the core before. Mm-hmm. You have to just be good again. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, it's your turn. I once got a call where that sounded just like that on the phone. <laughs> I just and my mom made me hang it up talk immediately. To you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't breathe <laughs> like that. Yeah, that is and then so... you get the heartbeat. <laughs> and you go. It's so cool. <laughs> I, <can't. laughs> I can do it. <laughs> yeah, you just need to make sounds now, and let, let me let me just get let me get this straight. This, this is so. This is what hip sounds like. Oh, this, yeah. is when, uh, this is Mr. how Lee you're going to win Mr. Lehigh. Yeah. Can you can start your own a cappella group with I don't, this. I don't know even how to begin. Give it a shot. We're laying down the beat. I can't. Uh, There's a little beat in the back helping I can't out. Do the, uh, I think we finally stumped him. No, like that. <laughs> Did we get you, Matt? <laughs> Did we there you get go. you? No. There's but, no wrong answers in beatboxing. Just make noises. Uh, well, I got to get closer, don't I? Yeah. <sighs> What? That seems wrong. Is that wrong? What? Weird. What? <laughs> what? 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 Do the boots and cats. Um, boots and cats and boots and cats. Have you heard of that? No, what's that? Oh, that's the oh, cheating. We gotta go, but what is it? It's Bath. boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats. It sounds like your beatbox. But you don't. You have just, to just don't say, say the boots, vowel. And boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats. I got a better one. Have you guys heard lions and tigers and bears? Listen to this. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. Lions and tigers. Bears. Okay. 
Hey, what's up? That was the that was the dumbest segment we've ever done. I don't. No, think that was so. actually really cool. To, to but I'd rather have David doing it. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a little better than well, you. Well, he's a pro, but he's you really just good. started learning. No, he's really good. I, I really did. And if I think if I practiced it more, I could get more farm animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the farm animals, I've noticed a lot of people don't bring into their And that would make you right. very that's, unique. Yeah. That's very your style. And, it, and two, I'm, I, I'm, actually, I'm going after a certain genre <laughs> of beatbox. <laughs> See, Dave is good. Yeah. Okay, well, David, we appreciate it. Uh, producers, that was fun. Tan and Thomas, um, appreciate it. We would like to meet you in my office. That was really fun. Uh-huh. Thank you, David. And that was really probably the greatest grand finale. It was a pleasure. Uh, producer segment. That will probably be the last time we do a producer segment. Mm-hmm. Just because going we're out being with promoted. a bang. When you yeah. go out with a bang, you go out with a bang. Because we're getting promoted. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll take a break, come back, uh, and visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. Stick with us, folks. We'll see if they know how to beatbox. That'll be fun. We'll be right back. Maybe I'll be moving on, and I think it should be something I don't want to hold back. Maybe you should know that my mama don't like you, and she likes everyone. Poor kid. And I never like to admit that I was wrong. Welcome back, folks, to the Matt Townsend Show. Little Justin Bieber for you, for all you believers. We're going to uh, shoot it down to two of the most believable people you have ever seen. Spencer Linton, Jerem Jordan, BYU Sports Nation. Is their game? Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Matthew. Is it too late to say I'm sorry? No. I know. Go ahead. You want to sing it? Justice Bieber. You should go and love yourself. Oh, there's the zipper. The famous zipper. My that jacket. means that, that means my jacket this time. Oh, is it your jacket? You'll never know on radio. <laughs> I can. Hey, um, you guys, you probably didn't hear right before your I came to you guys. I did some beatboxing. I, we actually did hear. Did you hear? Did you hear me lay down my 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 verse? Did no. you lay down a verse or lay down a track? Well, I lay down a track of beatboxing, but then I I. I I kind of spoke I didn't speak over it. I I just did a bunch of other sounds that are not really pr- known to be a part Man. of beatboxing. <laughs> a lot of them were animal sounds and then what else I noticed is I sounded a lot like a winded 90-year-old man that just walked up a flight of stairs. Yeah, please try that again. Yeah, I'm not doing it. Okay. I, I played in the Springville three-on-three basketball tournament yesterday for Art City Days. Sweet. And there, okay, one of the teams that we played against, there was a guy. He had to be. <laughs> he had to be late fifties. Yeah. He was the most in the most incredible shape I've ever seen. Really. Appropriately, he wore a Captain America basketball jersey. Wow. Totally. I was shocked by the athleticism. Did he of, dominate you? No, we beat his team. Did Did he remind you of me? He he couldn't shoot outside of ten feet. No, I didn't remind me of you. Oh. But he couldn't shoot outside of ten feet. Could like he, he dunk? Was so strong and yeah. it was yeah. crazy. That's kind of a lot like me. I can't shoot outside of three feet. Yeah. But a lot of That's people kind of call a me a lot of people call me agile. Yeah. I don't know why. Hey, have you guys ever watched YouTube? What is, this, uh, what is this YouTube you speak of? <laughs> yeah, I used to like in 07. Yeah, yeah. No one does now. It's really hip now. But we found a, a – you know how sometimes they'll show you a, a picture or a video of a dog and the dog is like growling but it, it actually sounds like it's talking? Yes. Okay. Well, we found one. We found a video of a snake 
And when it opens its mouth, you won't believe what it sounds like. Stop it. It's talking. Listen to this video. This is a video of a snake from YouTube. I'm a snake. I'm a slithery little snakey snake. I'm so slithery and sneaky because I'm a snake. Slithering in your garden. Yeah. Catching me a mouse. See, hear that? Snake. All of that. He just opened his mouth. He just opened his mouth. And that was it. It's a miracle. It's like that cat that says, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you guys, it's huge. We're, we, this is what we're doing on my show now. We're playing a lot of video for radio. Yeah. And people love it. It's crazy how that works. It's, Does that snake shop at Aber- Abercrombie & Fitch? By uh-huh. I was just wondering. That. Yeah. I don't know. He, but he's kind of lispy. Have you noticed that? That's what snakes are, Matthew. <gasps> Good point. Very you are good. Such a beast. <laughs> Very good point. <laughs> hey, um, I heard you zip up your makeup bag, or was that your jacket? That was my jacket. Okay, was I, it? Or was it? Yeah, I can get my makeup bag. No, no, no. And zip it. No, you're fine. Um, what uh, What's going to be on your show today? Help wanted for BYU basketball on the guard line after another transfer. What's the deal? Well, I just think. Guys are looking for bigger and better opportunities at other places because they see the writing on the wall with uh, the influx of crazy talent coming into the BYU program over the next few years. But, like, the next year is the concern. Like, what do you do for the immediate future? Yeah, Jordan Chapman is transferring from BYU. He he also announced yesterday that he's going to – he got into law school. Wow. His dad did uh, announce that. At BYU. It's like, wait, what? Uh, so we'll talk about that and what it means for BYU basketball this season, how that may change your perception of how they can do and who's, who are the backup guards. We also created a help-wanted poster that we have been putting up around campus to help the BYU basketball team. We'll tell you what's on that help-wanted poster. You think because that's they have a joke? Two, it's they have not. two scholarships available. <laughs> I went around oh, campus this morning posting them, or putting them on cars, <laughs> trees. There's a video at BYU Sports Nation. We tweeted it out. That is cool. That, you, you're going to find somebody from campus that's going to make the team now. Yeah. Kind of a Rudy. Let, let, let's, just, let's just tease you. One of the things is uh, previously played for Lone Peak, uh, helpful but not required. <laughs> yeah. Even if you were like the sixth man, seventh man. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Oh, that's Nick, a great idea. Nick Kurtz, wide receiver, BYU uh, football team, the leading, uh, returning, leading, uh, leading returning receiver from last year. Wow. Plus Blaine Fowler. Wow, Jordan Chapman's transfer. Hey, here's the deal, though. I I didn't know Chapman personally, but as a ba- as a person, I wouldn't want a a guy I'm playing basketball with to be a lawyer or to be in law school. As long as he can shoot. Do you know how litigious those guys are? Yeah. Next thing you know, hey, that's not a foul. It's a foul, and here's an injunction. <laughs> Steve Young <laughs> went to BYU Law School. Yeah. Whilst playing for the Niners, I know. So but- the law school made an exception for him. Did they? In that regard. And they just kind of let him come whenever he could? I believe. Well, he can only come in the offseason. That's true. And the Niners typically were playing into January. Oh, that see, that's so when that he started getting tough, right? Yeah, that's so right. So we don't know whether the law school said, hey, you can't play ball as well. Oh, we they know. would let him. Come on. I don't know. Yeah, it's, maybe, it's there's some reports. Dema- maybe it's too demanding. I don't know. Yeah. Some reports are hinting that that's the case. Oh, really? Well, I don't know for sure. Hmm. So where he needs to go is somewhere like Harvard or Stanford where maybe they don't have as – well, those are probably strong teams. He needs to get into a graduate program somewhere mm-hmm. because he just graduated from Brigham in Asian Studies. Just got engaged 
by the way. He's had, oh, he's got he's got a lot of big choices he's made. Yeah. Hmm. He's not playing ball at BYU. That's no. kind of that's all, all we, we know. know. Yeah, he could stay at BYU, go to law school, and not play. You guys, it's always it's always magic. It's what we do. Is it? <laughs> it's what you do. It's exactly right. It's well, I gotta we let know. you go. I I wish I would talk to you all day, but uh, you know the people upstairs. They're always like, you gotta cut them loose. Hey, hey, <laughs> whatever. Shut up. Whatever. <laughs> Can't we just be friends? Hey, guys, go watch that YouTube video about the snake. Will do. I'm telling you. I think we just heard it. It'll, no, no. you got to see it oh, okay. to believe it. Have a great show and a great weekend, gentlemen. Thank you, sir. Same Bye. to you. See you. Peace out, yo. Yeah. That's Chapman. I don't know. If I were going to be a lawyer and a basketball player, I, really, I think you're going to – you got to choose. You know what I mean? It's kind of like being a gangster and a basketball player. I'm they not saying lawyers go, are like gangsters. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they just don't go together. You know, they don't yeah. go together because there's a lot of chances for lawsuits on a basketball court. Know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know everything, but I am a doctor. Hey, um, <laughs> that snake thing. I, we got to tell you this story. This is the this is the greatest story. Let's say a guy is in a coma for 47 days. Okay. So if you're in a coma for 47 days, you won't believe this, by the way. The story comes from Florida. Usually such a rational place. I know. So this guy wakes up from a coma, and uh, he had been in the coma for 47 days. And the very first words that this man uttered were these words. Yo quiero Taco Bell. First words he uttered, I want Taco Bell. <laughs> He's in a coma for crying out loud. It's not like, honey, I'm back. I love you. It's none of that. I want Taco Bell. Booth is the 35-year-old Army veteran. He had been hospitalized for pneumonia in February when he had a heart attack and slipped into a coma. The request would take 22 days to fill as both Booth could not eat solid foods immediately. But last week, his Taco Bell desire was finally quenched with an eight and a half, with eight and a half crunchy tacos from Taco Bell. Mm. The company even provided some swag. Uh, it all came in a swag bag. Uh, he had some hot sauce packets in the bag. Various hot sauce yeah. packets. Yeah, I mean, like, not just one, like hot, medium, mild. Mm-hmm. They, they had different little things on each of them. He had um, some some napkins with the f- famous bell on them and uh, a churro. No, a, an empanada, caramel empanada. A free caramel mm-hmm. empanada. And a note written from Taco Bell. So that's pretty cool. And you know you're special when you, your, your spouse opens their eyes, they turn to you, you see them awake after 47 days of thinking, I'm probably going to lose this guy. And the first thing he says is, I want Taco Bell. <laughs> By the way, great ad for Taco Bell. What, he couldn't say, I want a chalupa. Give me a chalupa. <laughs> By the way, it, I don't know if the hospital was smart in giving the guy eight and a half tacos security to the er <laughs> seriously you got to be careful well that's the show my friends 
What else can we do for you? Oh, hey, how about a hero story? We've got to wrap it up with a hero story. As you know, we like to uh, always highlight the good in the world. And so who better to do that than a nine-year-old, uh, t- a teenager saving a nine-year-old um, uh, child uh, in drowning, in a near-drowning incident in, in Titusville, Florida. Florida has been very popular today. It's had a happy ending after what could have been a tragic summer this afternoon, uh, one afternoon in Titusville. Police say a, a supervised unsupervised three-year-old girl almost drowned in a pool at an apartment uh, complex. Surveillance video from the apartment complex shows the girl walk into the pool and try to swim before struggling to stay afloat. Police tell the News 6 team that uh, the girl was underwater for more than two minutes. You can see in the pool people are around this young girl and she goes under and they don't even notice. The toddler's nine-year-old cousin saw the girl floating lifeless in the water, the child swam over to her, got her out of the pool, and police said uh, that is when Brianna Mosley, 18, jumped into action. I turned around, and uh, they're holding the little child, she said. She was just limp and not moving, she said. Mosley used CPR training she learned in school to save the young girl's life. Then I sat up and held her and kept her warm. I just comforted her until the ambulance and the parents were there. The toddler was airlifted uh, to the hospital. Police did not have an update on her condition. Um, the mom came back and she hugged me and cried. She told me how I was her guardian angel and it made me realize, wow, I actually did a pretty incredible thing, said Mosley. So it wouldn't have been, a f- uh, this child would not be alive if uh, not for the 18-year-old young woman and uh, her little accomplice, seven-year-old friend, saving their three-year-old family member. That's a hero, folks. By the way, we all can be heroes. We all can be there in the time of need for everyone else. So I challenge you this weekend, go put people first. Turn off your technology, as we've learned today, and focus on those around you. Pay attention. Lift people when you can. And let's make the world a little brighter, a little better. And until Monday, take care of each other, watch each other's backs, and we'll talk again Monday. Take care.